2013, Palestinian children tortured, used as shields by Israel, per the United Nations. Reuters. Israeli soldiers who used Palestinian boy, a nine-year-old, as human shield avoid jail. Defense for Children International, an international human rights group. Israel forces use five Palestinian children as human shields. That's 2023. This is from 2017. Generally, human shields. Since the beginning of the occupation in 1967, Israeli security forces have repeatedly used Palestinians in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip as human shields. Israeli soldiers routinely use Palestinian civilians as human shields by forcing them to carry out life-threatening tasks. It was also following a high court petition against this practice, which was filed by human rights organizations around the world in May 2002, that the IDF issued a general order prohibiting the use of Palestinians as a means of human shield against gunfire or attacks by the Palestinian side. But then it goes on to say, following the order, the use of human shields dropped sharply. However, the arms, the army did not construe as a human shield the use of Palestinians, provided they consented. The army continued the widespread use of this practice, which they referred to as the neighbor procedure. Following another petition filed by human rights organizations, the High Court of Justice ruled that this practice, too, violated international humanitarian law and that this thus was illegal. And guess what they've never stopped doing? Here is the Institute for Middle East Understanding, the neighbor procedure, Israel's use of Palestinian human shields from 2012. Human Rights Watch. During military operations, Israeli soldiers routinely coerced Palestinian civilians, including children, to perform life-endangering acts that assisted military operations, the practice known as the neighbor procedure. Now see this. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, November 11th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I think that opening clip, as much as I've made about three or four of them from that once, that same thing is very, very important. And I still don't think people have I mean, the average person who's trying to suss out the information around these discussions has, has even aware of the open secret that, that the discussion around Israel's use of human shields using Palestinians truly is. So I'm going to include that two-minute clip I did so I can use to open today, as well as the seven-minute version, which encapsulates the entire segment and the entire show from yesterday in the show notes in the segment we'll get to yet again today. And the reason I'm including that to start is because, interestingly enough, I do the focus, which was the kind of the primary focus of the larger show from yesterday, on the proven open secret that is Israel's use of human shields. And then literally within 24 hours, they get caught on camera using a Palestinian human shield. Right now, in 2023, during this ongoing conflict, it's just incredible to me, the timing of that, let alone the idea that it's being that, that, it's that obvious and that frequent that we just the next day catch one live as it happens. I think that's incredible. But more than that focus today, we're going to be talking about some important developments, follow-ups on what we've been talking about. We're going to go into an interesting, just one overlapping point to start today in regard to the kind of, for those that are very hyper aware or tuned into the possible overlaps or the obvious overlaps with what's going on on this 
focused topic with the larger worldwide agendas like the Great Reset and, you know, any number of connective topics therein. Interestingly enough, there's one example of people already pulling this very conflict into the justification for that future. And I think that's not going to surprise too many people. But we're going to start off with a, a few important developments from one about the Arab League and, and the kind of back, the interesting divide there within that conversation. We're going to talk about how even Israeli allies like France, for example, or even the United States have begun to not just walk back the blind support, but starting to say, hey, what about the children? What about the women? And, it, and it's it's becoming very clear, as I keep pointing out, not only every single human rights group and international entity that historically, whether we always should have been or not, have been the very groups that your governments point you and direct you to, to decipher whether or not things are war crimes or violations of international law. And today, all of them are calling this genocide, except the governments, of course, that usually direct you to those people acting like they're all crazy and racist. My point is, even those groups are now beginning to kind of walk this back and kind of say, or in regard to the governments, I mean, I think it's because they are very aware that you see what's going on, that you see them and you see how hollow this makes everything they've ever stood on. And they're watching the ground recede beneath them. And I think this is important that they're now beginning to point this out. And now even Israel is calling out its allies who have been blindly supporting them, not for saying you shouldn't be doing this or you should be calling for a ceasefire, but simply by going, we agree with everything you're doing, Israel. We blindly support you. But what about the children? And that's too much. You've crossed a line. You're over the top. Think about how vivid that is. We're over here saying that's a crime. That's a genocide and ceasefire. And we care about Israeli civilians. And what happened on October 7th was grotesque as well. And that's been called terrorism. But now their allies are walking it back just a fraction. And they're the racist Hamas terrorist supporting exactly as you might expect, because this is a false reality. And even their allies are beginning to push back from it. We're now also going to talk about the ongoing kind of development of the awareness around October 7th and the many, many lies that have been spun since then. And we're going to kind of resettle, get people back on the track on what we now have proven and debunked and where we currently are with a lot of these allegations. And of course, we're going to get into some of the horrifying realities that recently happened around Al-Shifa Hospital, just the sheer numbers, which is why I made the title the way I did today. Over 200 doctors. I mean, it, it's, it's getting, I mean, it was, it was in, insulting to our intelligence right out of the gate, but it's getting to the point to where if we're seeing 50 journalists plus, and these are all plus because these numbers are defining as we go, 200 plus doctors, 50 plus journalists, over 4,500 children. 10,000 plus civilian. I mean, it's just, it's so embarrassingly obvious what's happening. And again, I've said this a lot, but I don't mean, I don't mean this as every single person, but everyone sees this. I think some people may not be paying attention. Some people may not want to, but if you're paying attention, even remotely, you can see what's truly happening here. We're also going to talk about, as I said, the human shield point again, but we're going to go over the hostages or rather the prisoners. I really think is more appropriate for both sides of this ongoing conflict because they're both seemingly demanding things, which I guess you would call hostages, but I think that's inappropriate for, you know, field of war and the actions within war that would be considered within the rules of war. Many things that have happened obviously are not, but the point being, if we're talking about military people, whereas Hamas on one side or IDF on the other, those would be prisoners of war, regardless of how many crimes either side has committed. My point though, is we're going to go over that topic yet again, 
and show you that it seems there is some sort of agreement that's been reached, but it's still being disputed on what will ultimately happen. Yeah, I'll get into how I think this will actually go and whether it's not whether it's honest or not. But we're also going to get into kind of the end larger point about the ongoing suppression of free speech of your right to assemble any number of things that the very people currently going after people for those things were 30 seconds ago, calling out the left and everybody else for cancel culture. And now they're the ones largely attacking everybody for having an opinion. They disagree with still just words you understand, but of course they're the words they don't like today. So now that doesn't count all of them pretending to support free speech. Understand two party illusion as always breaking logic, but how crazy it is to watch what's happening on these campuses and the kind of belligerent mindless, like just completely lost concept where people are just accusing others, people that were once their friends of being a terrorist or being hating Jews because they simply support a free state of Palestine, whatever and the many different ways that can embody itself, which one one would be a two state solution. But yet you even talk about the word Palestine and people call you a terrorist today and people are getting attacked for it. People are writing entire memos about how they're being attacked. End of the day, I'm going to get into a one major claim that I think is being used to act like they're blockading people in their homes and about to hurt them, which I don't even think happened. And we're going to go over how this is being used by people that may not even know they're being used. So let's start today with the main point that I think is really, really disconcerting, alarming geopolitics and empire who you should be following a world parliament should be launched he's not saying this mind you this is from the article i'll show you a world parliament with democratically elected members you know just the way they are rulers are democratically elected today of course from 205 countries around the world this world parliament should lead the democratic world government you know, the thing that's a complete conspiracy theory. The international military under the so-chosen world government should be deployed on the borders of all 205 countries. After the establishment of the world government, all countries should phase out their existing border forces over a period of 10 years and replace them with world troops recruited from various countries along the borders of all countries. That, of course, according to the rulers, will end border wars in this way, maybe just because they're no longer fighting amongst themselves, but rather only you. So no more border wars, just the ongoing forever war against you in this way with the huge economic profits that all countries get, the poverty of all peoples on this earth can be eradicated or, you know, already could be based on the fact that there's plenty of revenue and money that the governments don't use for you that could, you know, eradicate poverty or end world hunger. Not that it's actually not that much money comparatively with what's really going on in the world today, but you know, they don't care about that. They want you to pay for your own suffering. But the real point about this is it's in the context of Israel and Palestine. You can see here hunger strike for peace in Israel and Palestine. Palestine. Now this comes from, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a worldwide, this is one entity and one group in India calling for this. But my point is that you can already see how whether you think they're well-meaning or not are using this conflict to justify absolute top-down complete control. By, mind you, the very people allowing this to continue. That's terrifying, especially if they think that's something positive. Now, just really quickly, it's uh, in Delhi, you know, in, in India, under the leadership of the Delhi-based International Action Council for Democratic World Government held a hunger strike demanding the resolution of peace, the restoration, excuse me, of peace in Palestine and Israel. About 100 human rights activists and various socio-cultural and political activists participated in this protest, which was led by the Action Council chairman. An application was made to the Delhi police for permission to hold the candle march. So all of this stems around the idea of ending 
war, right? Now, the, the sad kind of, I mean, I'm almost shocked that, in, that anybody would think that the very people who are allowing this to continue would then somehow, you know, be on board for, you know, they are just the bottom line that given more power that these people will then execute world peace is just the most shockingly naive thing I could ever think of. But my point is to see that there are people, and I'm not even suggesting I know these are well-meaning people, but that would be well-meaning, that might just suggest things like this because they buy other lies and just haven't seen through those. But if you want an example to see how this could be marshaled in that direction, here's one, but there's plenty of them. Just wanted to make sure we didn't miss that. And trust me, I'm well aware that I'm hyper-focused on this topic, but I think I have decided this seems to be monumentally important. And you know, I thought the same thing about COVID-19, the illusion they're in. And even plenty of people that I believe or my in this audience were early on going, hey, maybe you're talking about this too much. Hey, maybe I was. Maybe I still did. I don't agree with that, though. And I think that it was important that we stayed focused. And I do now as well on this. So decide for yourself. But I think our track record speaks for itself. This is very inter- intricately connected to a lot of topics. And I think that's very important. Now, and this is exactly why, I, what in that exact point, this is one of those kind of concepts that show you how big this topic really is. Now, this is from Firas pointing out that Arab League divided over five important clauses that could not be adopted, causing a merger of the Arab League Summit and Organization of Islamic Cooperation Summit. Now, the clauses that were endorsed by 11 states, but rejected by four states. This is important. Now, I'll show you, obviously, who these people are. But at first, the point, well, I'll just tell you right now. It says the four countries that rejected it <clears throat> were not mentioned by name, and countries that abstained were also not mentioned, which is kind of telling in and of itself. Then, no, they're going to get pushed back by the world that can see that these are the states aligning with what, at least in their perception, are the bad guys, clearly the ones that are currently carrying out genocide. So you guys can decide for yourself. But the ones that the 11 states agreed on and the four rejected and one abstained from, one, preventing the use of American and other military bases in Arab countries to supply Israel with weapons and ammunition. So you're starting to see the point. Two, freezing Arab diplomatic, economic, security, and military relations with Israel. Three, threatening to use oil and Arab economic capabilities to pressure to stop the aggression. And four, preventing Israeli civil aviation from flying in Arab airspace, which, I mean, most of these are crimes in and of themselves. But they do they, they act with impunity. Israel violates Lebanon airspace all the time. Nobody cares. Where's the rules-based international order? Five, forming an Arab ministerial committee that will travel immediately to New York, Washington, Brussels, Geneva, London, and Paris in order to convey the Arab summit's request to stop the Israeli aggression against Gaza. Now think about the kind of countries, Arab countries, that would dis- refuse these things, reject them, or abstain from even being involved in the vote. That's kind of, that's incredible, especially when you can prove that the vast majority of their populations agree with almost every single point of this. Now it says Arab countries that that proposed and endorsed the plan, as you might expect, Palestine, Syria, Algeria, Tunisia, but groups like Iraq, mind you, which is currently occupied by the United States. But let's not pretend that means that they're on the side of the U.S. government. Maybe some of the puppets they put in place in power are, people aren't, even most of the government isn't. Lebanon, Kuwait, Qatar. I mean, these are this is interesting deviations from what you might expect on the world stage and how they present it. Oman, Libya, Yemen. Now, of course, as somebody points out, I mean, it's pretty easy to deduce this, I would argue, but Saudi, the groups that arguably, I mean, e- easily by deductive logic did not, I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell which one 
abstained and which four voted no, but the point would be Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Turkey, Jordan, and the UAE, obviously, which makes sense in every single way. But yeah, well, I guess a little, I would, Turkey and Jordan, interestingly, kind of stand out. Egypt is, they, their population is wildly negative against Israel, but they've signed normalization agreements, even though they seem to be trying to use them right now and Egypt is not letting people in. But either way, the point is, it's interesting to see this development that you have a, a a new kind of budding international power that is the Arab state, even though this has been there, but with the shifting and really the, the loss of support from with it to Israel, support for Israel by the world because of what they're showing that they really are, the Zionist government, things are shifting quite free, quite, quite strongly right now. And so this, depending on how this goes forward, I think we're going to see these groups even begin to align differently very soon, but we'll have to see what happens. Now, what's it, what's really alarming to me is that there's very intelligent people out there, people that I think are at least attempt to be the best person they can be, that just see these countries and just still think terrorism. Think, oh, Arab country, so so what, you know, barbarians in caves are just some of the most grotesquely bigoted, ignorant concepts. I'm not saying that you won't find people that are remedial in that way that in these countries, but you can just as much find these kind of whatever you want to call it, lowbrow people in any country in the world. The idea that we would just pretend that because they're in the Middle East or because they're Arab nations or any variation thereof, that they would be bad guys. It's just this, we got to stop letting the governments, we can see who they really are. And we all seem to acknowledge what they really are, dictate what we view other countries as. Because we can all seem to left and right point at our government and say, they lied to us and they're killing us with vaccines or whatever else. And yet then when this happens, we get split down party lines and one side's a bad guy over there. And so why don't we then go, but maybe they're lying about this too. I just think that the pundits in the independent, in quotes, media are very are far too effective in manipulating people that might be in the middle or have preconceived ideas about foreign countries, even though we all saw right through their COVID illusion. I just think that's kind of alarming, but we'll see what happens here. Now, France. Macron has now, interestingly, I didn't expect this from him of all the people. He's this guy's like just the Mr. Budding, you know, mini me globalist over here, urges Israel to stop bombing and killing civilians. Now, you know why I think he's even saying that? Because he is losing every support of everybody. Because look, the only people that I think are not like right now, you've either got people that are silent all of a sudden who are pro-Israel to start because they have a soul and they're aware of what's happening, but they don't want to make themselves look bad. So I still look down on them for that. Or you got people that are just blindly pro-Zionist, pro-Israel who don't care what's going on and will support that. And then I think you've got literally everybody else who is very aware of what's happening and is just either quiet on it or speaking up about it. My point is the vast majority of people, including the Zionists, can see what's happening around the world. And so the French population doesn't want this to happen. And so he is being driven in this direction because these people care utmost about power and they will lose that no matter how much support they get from Israel in France or in the United States. But he says he hopes that other leaders, including those in Washington, will join him in his call for a ceasefire, right? You're not allowed to call for a ceasefire as much as that is actually a neutral concept. It's been warped into this like only pro Hamas concept or rather in their minds, pro Palestine, which is all terrorism now, as much as they used to 30 seconds ago when the starting of this October 7th forward, we're all saying, no, Palestinian civilians, the Hamas bad guy. Weirdly, they've all just been like, now you're all bad guy terrorists. It just shows you how the app, the, the, 
the narrative was always about that. And people are just following along with whatever they're told to say that day. But now he's saying, what about the children? What about what's happening? And this is in French, but he's saying, in fact, today, civilians are being bombed. In fact, these children, these women, these old people are being bombed and killed. So there is no basis for this and no legitimacy. Therefore, we call on Israel to stop. Now, that's pretty scathing. Like that, that, I mean, guys, that is a hard 180 from somebody who is a wild, I mean, as pro as you can get in this topic to start. And now all of a sudden he just turns right around. That doesn't make much sense to me. Now, look, I guess you could ask whether he just is somebody. I don't even know why I would say that. I don't believe this person is honest. You guys can decide for yourself. But clearly, everything is shifting away from the pro-Israel stance. And again, I think that's obvious because we can all see what's happening which is one of the reasons why they've been so desperate to take out any journalists they can see, because they're showing people what's happening on the ground. And even when they do that, we're still hearing all this information. The Spectator Index reports Netanyahu says in response to Macron, get this, still to the, still holding this line. I think it's because they have no other option. I mean, this is what desperation looks like. He says that the responsibility for civilian casualties lies with Hamas. Now you understand how, now really the main line they've been saying is that, well, if they're there, it's because human shields and therefore it's their fault. But what he says here is the same thing, but the words saying that the responsibility for civilian casualties, like, so they basically just said, we don't have any responsibility for casualties of civilians in general, because Hamas is there. Like, you see how quickly this is receded to just, well, I think there's a Hamas person, they're holding civilians. And so what are we supposed to do? Well, now we're just saying we're bombing wherever we want. Remember, they made clear to say, not accuracy, the focus is damage. That came directly from the government, that they're just saying, well, it's their fault, no matter what happens. And even the U.S. government, bringing this up for you, even the U.S. government has kind of walked along with that. Here, this is from, again, October 10th. Emphasis on damage, not accuracy, directly from Israel's government. I mean, that's staggering. It's all right on full display. Okay, and, and I, well, there's two more points I wanted to open with before we get into the lies and the misinformation, which is that even Donald Trump, as much as he comes out and says, if it was I, if I was in power, I would stop this right away. He does that all the time, and all of his cheer people go, yay! <laughs> he said the thing we're supposed to say. It doesn't mean anything. He just says things all the time, like any politician does. But what he said was that if that I would stop this, or I wouldn't allow it, I forget the exact word he used. But that doesn't mean anything other than he's trying to pre present his power. Well, if I was there, they wouldn't even do this because I'm so powerful or whatever the narrative is. But here is what he just put out. This is the new campaign ad for Donald Trump. And he literally says, if you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. Which, again, the people that would cheer for such a statement, it's just ignorance. It's jingoistic, mindless, yay, we're powerful. It's And the, the idea, you know what is that a peace through power or whatever the phrasing is might, you know, the idea that by, if you're powerful enough, you can stop people from being aggressive. That has been historically proven to be false. Every single point, no matter where you look. And let's not forget, that's exactly the way they presented the Soviet union all about power, right? Now they just do the same thing. Well, they always have. We'll bomb everybody and present our might and we'll stop them all from doing what they keep doing, or rather what we know they keep orchestrating. But the point is either they're causing this or this isn't working. But guess what? Nothing changes, just keeps going forward because this is always how it's supposed to go. But here's Donald Trump's 
apparently we're going to not allow World War III mindset in regard to Israel. Before thousands were brutally killed, including Americans. Before Iran helped Hamas plan the attack. None of that's proven. I mean, that's absurdly, absurdly hypothetical that Iran helped plan anything, despite what the New York Post wrote. But of course, because it's a headline on corporate media somewhere, then you could just claim it, apparently, even though we can prove things and show you source material. And we still get censored for proving things, COVID and on and so forth. I just, it's just so infuriating. Killing Americans before Biden gave billions of taxpayers money to Iran. Nope, it was their money. And I'm just so frustrated that even people that I, it, that's not true. It's just so mind-numbingly frustrating. They gave Iran back the money they seized from Iran. I mean, it's, it's easy to prove, but you just get some talking head on some Republican channel that says something and people blindly say, no, you're wrong. We've already gone over this. I talked about this years ago. I talked about this during Obama's administration. It's frustrating. But now it turns into bribing them or get, somehow now Biden paying them to execute this. There's no evidence to any of that. I don't have any support for Biden or Trump, but that's how they'll frame that. But it's really infuriating to think that they keep making all of these claims. And on top of that, that in any way. Of taxpayers' money to Iran. Trump played hardball with Iran. Destroyed ISIS. Oh, he did, did he? Destroyed ISIS. That's, that's what I was going to say. But this, he destroyed ISIS, did he? Let's not forget, as I just talked about. And just like that, ISIS suddenly starts attacking the enemies of Israel and the U.S. government again, completely by coincidence, of course, as usual, after being 100% defeated a few times. Like, he's still holding this line. This, this was an article on November 8th by the Cradle, because it, ISIS suddenly, according to the U.S. government, started attacking their locations. Isn't that, or not, not their locations, but assault, like the, the, their enemies' locations. Like, think about how embarrassing that is and how obvious that is. Every single time this happens, they just pop up and start attacking the enemies of the people that we've always been told are fighting them. It's, and this is why I include Corbett's gr excellent uh, three-part documentary that exposes how what a lie that is. But my point is, Trump has said he's de they were 100% defeated more than once. And then during his administration, there was more examples of something going on. And here he is again saying 100%. Like, look, I'm not, if you want to pretend that he basically got rid of them, then fine, then say that. But he continues to use the 100%. It's just, this is, and they all cheer it on because we're children, apparently, when it comes to politics. With Iran, destroyed ISIS, kept the Middle East at peace. <laughs> kept us out of endless wars i mean you know aside from libya and sudan and afghanistan and syria and, and everywhere else but you know at peace according to this political campaign from a non-politician strength history shows kept us out of endless wars through strength history see my point through strength that's all they want to we're going to use might and power and nuclear weapons to keep peace how well has that worked out? Shows very plainly that evil only respects one thing, nope. unyielding strength. No, it when I'm back it's, I mean, the history has shown us that that's the exact opposite. And that the ones who have been banding around their blind saber rattling power have been the ones committing all of the atrocities around the world, including during your administration, Trump. Back in the White House, our enemies will know if you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. Right. 
So we're going to keep killing people, right? Which, which guarantees civilian deaths. I just don't understand why anybody cheers for that. It only matters if you, if you, if if, the only way that you would cheer for that is if you think American lives are more valuable than other people's lives. And you know what? A lot of people do think that. And that's the problem. That's how gross this becomes. That we have been trained to think that our lives are more important than people across that imaginary line. A lot of people in the two-party paradigm, in fact, on both sides, think that. President Trump, the strength we need to make America strong again. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. Make America great again. Don't forget, he he very embarrassingly came out with his campaign slogan the second time, which was, let's, uh, what was it, make, now I'm going to forget. It was redundant and it didn't make sense. It was something like make keep oh keep America great again. That, that was the they came out with that. They really did. They made mugs and everything and hats and then they immediately pulled it back when they realized how dumb that was. You can't keep it again <laughs> anyway. So the point is, he is very clearly just like everybody else. I hope anybody with a brain can see that. Like the bottom line is, he is going to use the same exact thing that's currently happening. Whether that's Obama or Bush or Biden or Trump, they're going to use the military to, I guess, stop the military. Well, that's war, guys. So we're going to have more war and more conflict. And, you know, who are they exactly trying to stop? Right. Who are we talking about here? Is Hamas trying to do anything but act, but in, it, it deal with what's inside their territory? They would love you to believe that Trump himself said they're on the southern border. That's not true. It's just not. What I do see. And I'm not suggesting good or bad guy here. Hamas, you can, all day long, we can talk about horrible things that they have committed and done. And let's not forget that the U.S. And, and Israel created them, as we can prove. But let's realize the only entities marching around the world, toppling countries and murdering people for their own benefit right now on a worldwide scale is the U.S. government. That's what's happening. You cannot deny that. China is not toppling countries. Russia is not toppling countries. It's just not happening. I'm not going to say that if if the power situation was reversed, that they wouldn't. I, I'd actually probably guarantee you that they would be doing the same thing. I don't side with any of these powerful governments. But my God, if we can't recognize who is responsible, the war of terror. Enough, nothing about the war on terror was about helping anybody but the government's own position. It's just time that we truly acknowledge that. And that's why I want you to continue to understand the history after 9-11 and so on. But ISIS stepping back up to fight for the very people that continue to claim to have defeated them. But George Galloway points out something very important in this. Just the way he said this was important, getting into the debunking some of the lies. He wrote on November 10th yesterday, the foul allegations of rape have been dropped by the Israeli government. Now, if you haven't seen that, that is what's happening. Ultimately saying, like, we can't prove it and we well, I'll get into that in a second. And by the way, don't forget, Robert already broke that down very early, right? Came out and didn't say that we know it didn't happen, but said, based on what we can currently prove, there's not enough evidence to, that the evidence on the table does not suggest rape happened, or the very least that we have not proven the few cases, like for instance, the one I point out about the woman we saw with the bloody pants, which again, I, all I said was, we don't know who has her. We don't know who's filming that. We don't know what car that we don't know whether she sat in blood on the ground. I'm not trying to diminish anything. I'm just trying to be an objective reporter and realize that we can't prove what happened there. Sort of like when everyone said the that Luke was killed, the German tattoo artist, and it turned out that she wasn't, or it turned out that Newsweek reported that she went to a hospital. The point is when everyone jumps to conclusions and says the one thing that suits their interests, kind of tends to not be trustworthy, right? But here we are, and now we have them walking back even the allegations of rape. The 40 beheaded babies has been downscaled to one dead baby. 
not beheaded and killed by persons unknown. Right. I mean, so that very then it, clearly that implicates the possibility of the IDF, as we have now proven that they did, according to the Israelis and the security team of the Kaburi, uh, um, Kibbutz Be'ere, that the IDF killed people that were Israeli. So it's certainly possible. Or if the baby was in a home that they bombed without caring if there were hostages in there. Right. That's that's exactly the point. And it says two thirds of Israelis killed on October 7th were military personnel. Now, as far as I can tell, I, I've seen about 50 percent. but. It, there's a lot of developing information. He's claiming two thirds military personnel. And then we have to wonder were the other third settlers, which means that they were military occupiers, like because of the, especially now we can see that they're arming them and giving them official status, right? That, that makes them military targets. We don't know. Doesn't that change the story? If what we've ultimately everybody they tried to kill were military targets, well, it should, because that makes it a legal act. People just don't want to get into this reality. Occupied territory per every international group. And Geneva Conventions means they have the legal right to armed rebellion because they're occupied. I've said this many times. So when Hamas acted, it was legally under international law, as much as that may upset Israelis or the governments. When people then went on to attack, kidnap, or kill civilians, those are crimes, and they should be held accountable for it, just like every single time Israel does it. Now, it says the killers of the remaining one-third are def uh, uh, definitely revealed to have been in part, been, have been in part the Israeli armed forces themselves. This, I mean, look, George Galloway, in my opinion, kind of lost it on the COVID-19 coverage, but he is, in my opinion, historically been pretty solid on most of his reporting. And I think that somebody saying something like this, you should take the heart, no matter what side you think they're on. And that's an important statement from somebody who has a lot of following and a lot of clout. You've only got 4 million views in this post. You know why? Because it's true. The killers have been shown to have been the IDF in some cases. Those with influence who spread the propaganda to the contrary stand exposed as war criminals. And now much blood stains their charter forever. Character, excuse me, forever. It is a spot which will not out. I agree with exactly what he's saying here. Now, Charmaine Narwani points out, guess what? There's no evidence of rapes on October 7th, according to the Times of Israel. Quote, the evidence is slipping away. We did not take pictures. We did not do forensic tests. Right. So exactly how then do they know people were raped if they did not test anybody? Sure. You could argue, look, uh, the, their clothes are torn off. Well, OK, that seems to highly suggest something happened. But do you know for those acting like it doesn't even matter? Well, yeah, it really does matter. It doesn't matter in the sense that if they were killed and they were killed and those people should be held accountable for it. But if you're going to start making allegations to the level of atrocity propaganda in order to scare people into a certain position, you damn well better be able to prove it. And <laughs> excuse me. And that is why we continue to see these things get walked back. But it's too late for many people. It already it already carries. And I'll show you some examples toward the end. Claiming that, you know, that you support people with head babies and so on. It's still being used right now. But yet Israel ran 24 seven media blitzes about rapes and beheadings. Now here's the article and you can read it for yourself. Amid war and urgent need to ID bodies, evidence of Hamas's October 7th rape slips away. And you can read it. Right. The point is exactly what she's saying. The idea that they, the, the article itself is framing it as we're having trouble finding the evidence that we did have. And it, my point is that it ultimately ends up being very clear. If you did not do forensic testing and you're unable right now to present anything that makes a case and you're acting, this starts to sound like, you know, oops, we actually, oops, we deleted those. We can't even find the information about our space going to the moon or, or the state department in, in 9-11. Oh, oops, we deleted that information. Sorry. I mean, it's just so dumb how often that happens. And we just, we accept that. The point is 
let's just say hypothetically there was evidence they lost it. Well, that still remains as a journalist who's being objective that we do not know and the evidence supports that it did not happen at this moment with everything we've seen so far. And now we're beginning to see all of this walked back. And that's what George Galloway is saying as well. They've been dropped by the Israeli government. And top of that, Israel now has revised. And I think this is very obvious. They've revised the death toll from October 7th, more than a month ago, to around 1,200. Okay, well, let's think about this for a second. Well, let me read this too. This is from the Israeli government. saying, And this is, this is yesterday. They finally spoke up and said, well, the... The number has been revised down to around 1,200 when they first said 1,400. Even though half the corporate media still states as a fact that 1,400 people died, which continues to show you how terrible these people are at their jobs. At the very least, you should have been saying potentially 1,400. They're not doing that. And saying all civilians, which we now know isn't true. But my point is, that's, a, that's 200 people, 200 bodies, Right? Now, the only reason they played this game that they were like, let's just even say these people were mutilated and burned and it was in pot. You've had over a month to suss this out. Now, we're, you're either telling us that somehow you estimated 200 more bodies than you actually had. And it took you over a month to kind of figure that out, which to me does not even add up in and of itself. Or that this was a number that was floated well, I mean, look, the bottom line is there's a lot of ways you could look at this. Are we to believe that you oversaw or overshot or overestimated by 200 people? And now after a month, you finally somehow figured that out. What took that long? I mean, the, the, old, the idea that these things, they, that these bodies were mutilated beyond recognition, it does not line up with anything other than the IDF bombings. All the burned bodies, they claim. Right. The point was you can prove that most of the ones they showed were done by IDF bombings. And that's, again, been backed up by people who were there. So to me, I'm beginning to question the entire thing. Not that there weren't people that were killed, even though, again, we know that there's a, a disputed number about what, how many were killed by their own people. And that by deep, that could then mean all, by the way, in the context of what were killed in those areas and the atrocities that were committed. Especially when you bring in the conversation of why that might have been allowed to happen or executed because of Netanyahu's potential criminal allegations and on and on and on, judicial reforms and all these conversations, just as hypotheticals. But the bottom line is that now 1,200 after 1,400 was originally stated at 200 people a month period, I don't buy it is my point. Something about that does not clearly does not add up. And I think we're going to continue to see this get rolled back. And my point again is going to be at that point, okay, well, what changed now? Are we to believe that you're in some massive ongoing forensic effort? Well, every other aspect of this, you're telling us, well, the war is going on. We'll worry about it later. But I guess not this point. To me, I think this is because people are investigating and they're beginning to find anomalies, right? Well, where are all these people? Where are the families of these people? Why aren't they? Why We can prove to some degree there are people that are taken. But I think the problem is that they're all mostly, if not all, IDF members and military, and this number is inaccurate. And I think this is going to continue to fall apart unless they can pretty much kill everybody in the Gaza Strip like they've been trying to for a month. And then who, how will we ever find out? Now, we're going to get to the, the exchange in a minute. But Jonathan Cook writes, a BBC journalist writes to Director General Tim Davey about the, corpora the corporation's dire coverage of Gaza. So this is coming from a BBC journalist. And you can read about it at the link at the bottom. Quote, it appears the BBC is keeping a lot 
of highly significant and relevant information, including extensive evidence, expert opinion, and historical context from the public. Shocking, I know. Members of the public cannot possibly form an informed opinion or a basic understanding of the unfolding events without access to such information. It also appears the BBC could be reinforcing Israeli propaganda meant to dehumanize the Palestinians. I can attest to that for sure. Quote, it says, this is not about mistakes here and there, or even about systemic bias in favor of Israel. The question now is a question of complicity. That's, a, that's from a journalist that works for them. You ask Vanessa Bealy or others, the BBC, that's not shocking at all. One of the worst. BBC, CNN, my opinion, worst, worst, worst. But the point is, everywhere people are seeing this, right? This is my kind of overlap with like Macron and others. People are pulling away and going, you're lying. We can see it. Even people that would usually toe the line, they're lying. And it's not just misinformation. They're literally manufacturing an entire narrative, withholding information and allowing fake information to fly. Now, on that note, I'm going to go over this and I'm going to include this. You guys can look through this as long as you want. There's disgusting stuff in here. But I'm going to prove to you really quickly what this ultimately is. And please make sure you look at this so you don't think I'm being minimizing. I'm not going to look at every aspect of this, but I did earlier, and I went through every single thing on this. Now, the point is, this isn't a website. Hamas massacres, documented war crimes, October 2023. Now, what I'm going to show you is that as you look through all of this, none of this, it's almost all of this you've already seen on this show or elsewhere, despite what people might say that we're only showing once. We've shown every one of these to you for the most part. Now, what's important about this None of this, as I've said from the beginning, which is why I largely stopped even getting into most of this, is that you can't prove anything, especially when you start to understand the the more complicated dynamics, like, for instance, the arming, funding, and support of Hamas thus far from Israel and the United States, and the wonder of whether or not there were actually people in that entity that were acting in another, another capacity for Israel, for instance. I don't know. That's certainly a question we should ask. But even then, and I'm only saying that for the few, and I mean very few examples you even see a Hamas member in these videos. But on top of all of it, or aside from all of that, you most every video you're going to look at or image you're going to see is just a static image of something you can't verify. Okay, a crib with blood on it. Okay, that looks terrible. But how do we know what happened? Or people running? Or people shot on the ground? That's I mean, that's 99% of what's in this. Or just grotesque images of burned bodies. So here's just, let's just show you some of them. Now, you've seen almost all, all of these, right? This one is when the Israeli first responder arrived at the, at the festival, right? But we already have evidence, in fact, proof from testimony from people that were there that people were shot by the IDF as they fled into the security location, which I brought up that does not make sense. How exactly, as they were still fleeing from the concert, which means it was early in this dynamic or in this in the, the series of events, Yet, so 15 checkpoints, according to Efren Fangenson, she was former IDF intelligence, 15 locations and potentially hours of time where they were not being met, at the very least, right when they went in, nobody there at the checkpoints. Yet, at very similar time frame, because they're still fleeing, you've got a police checkpoint in the street right outside the kibbutz Be'ere, or one of the kibbutz where they ran up to. And, and don't forget, the as CNN told us, we're told that they came in from three locations and kind of pincer moved the people at the concert, which then interestingly drove them right toward that security checkpoint. That doesn't make sense to me. Logistically, like what was their agenda there? And Hamas will tell you that they didn't do any of that, that they were going for military installations and all of this was the IDF. 
The point, though, is that all you can see is them walking around showing dead people. So that, what does that ultimately prove, especially with the evidence being presented from people who were there, that at least some of people that were there were shot by the IDF? My point is it doesn't prove anything. It proves that you see dead people and that we still don't know. Same thing here. Just, and th this is the video we showed you about that, that internal, uh, you know, the, the, the inside that area where they claim they threw a grenade. So why are we only getting this eight second clip? I guarantee there's more than that. And the point is that they are all we see is a dead person. This guy showing dead people inside and this guy looking scared and then nothing. Okay. I'm not trying to minimize anything. My point is that does not prove anything. Now, where like if these like these people, for instance, we have some people claiming they have evidence of of you know Hamas taking action and so on. But wouldn't you think with this many people that we'd have just this endless amount of information coming out about detail? We're not getting any of that. This one. And this is one of the ones where you can see somebody, but we, it, by the way, interestingly dressed quite a bit different than almost every other person. Weirdly, almost dressed like an Israeli entity with a green stripe on his chest. Just pointing that out. My point being that this is, could be a Moss member. But we don't know, even if it looks exactly like them. Now that we've got enough evidence to suggest that there was some foul play here coming from Israelis, particularly, we should ask whether that might be the case. But either way, my point is, you don't see anything other than him grab a guy and take him somewhere. OK, well, we know they took prisoners of war. So does this then verify the massacre? No, it does not. In fact, it seems to counter that if the argument was they just shot everybody. Right. And the one you've seen here where they're just running. Again, that's the field I'm talking about right there. And they all ran and they took off through that field, as you can see them in the background, and ran head on into people that then shot at them. Now, you can look further on the party itself, the, the, you know, the rave, which they all weirdly and I think intentionally called a peace concert or whatever. It was a rave. But you, my point is, and you guys, some of this stuff is graphic, and I don't really want to get into it. If you guys can look at it all for yourself, a lot of these are still images of burnt bodies, right? Which very well could have been, or uh, largely were likely because of the shooting, the bombing by the Apaches, by the Hellfire missiles, by the tank shells, and everything else that we can prove they did. But we have images of things like this. And, oh, this one I really wanted to show you, actually. I wonder if you, can you guys see that on the screen? I think you can see that if it's large. I want to make sure you can see. No, maybe not. Let me, can you, anyway, I don't want to wait for you to answer. So hold on. Let me just make this smaller. Let's do this. Okay. Let's do that in case you couldn't see it. So this is really strange to me. So this is supposed to be an Israeli officer looking for signs of life, right? Now, who in the world as a security officer and the way the video is presented, he's going in this room, not knowing if there's bad people in there, people that would shoot at him, Right. You're telling me any anybody in any kind of military or or any field where you would be using weapons or any kind of tactical effort was gonna would laugh at this. You're telling me this guy is walking with his gun in front of him, filming, right? Clearly not on a body cam, in my opinion, holding something. And and because you'll see he opens the door with his gun in his hand using that hand. <laughs> I mean, guys, that's ridiculous from anybody's perspective. But then goes on to film as he walks in this. My opinion. This is completely staged. It's my opinion. My gut tells me that this is something that they already did or whether maybe they were shot and they knew it and they walk in there acting like they're sussing out the problem. What?
Yeah, I should go back. I, I want you to see how he grabs the door. Look at this. I mean, are you serious? Someone's going to use their gun hand to open as you think there's somebody. What if someone's right in there and shoots at you? Like, that's not, that's ridiculous. That is dumb. That is, that is what somebody would do when they don't know how to handle themselves in a military or situation like this. Or they know there's not a threat in there and they want you to keep seeing everything. It just, it just doesn't seem real to me. But again, I'm not saying I'm proving that. It's personally my opinion based on how weird that was. See what I mean? And then, of course, and I just go around, they're looking. You don't see any evidence other than people already dead. So my point is, how in the world do we know what actually happened? This, for example, is provably not done by Hamas. They still show you this stuff. That's the one we covered on the Gray Zone, or the, from the Gray Zone article, as well as the Cradle. These people were burned alive because of a bombing, guys. There's no way. Or all of the cars you saw that were bombed the same way. That is, they're literally using their own killings as evidence of Hamas murdering. Or here's a terrible image of what looks like a woman with, the, with her pants torn or her underwear torn. And it just simply says, raped and then killed. Well, how in the world do we know what actually happened there? How do we know that wasn't the IDF or they did this to make it seem that way, especially now that we now have them even walking back the evidence of rape? Okay, now I could go on forever. Every one of these you can look through for yourself, and it's the same kind of thing. Again, here is supposedly the other view right here from that same location we talked about. So why do we have multiple videos, but this one also was only nine seconds inside the container they claim they bombed with a grenade. It just doesn't line up. And you see there's repeats in here and so on. So go back. Go to the other one. Here we have families murdered in their homes. Now, this, guys, and by the way, all of this is what gets presented to people that get shown that special screening. And I'll show you an example of this. One of these images right here is, in fact, used. You get stuff like this. How can we prove what that actually is? How do we, how do we prove that's not completely fake? How do we prove that that wasn't the IDF that did this? Maybe inadvertently with indiscriminately bombing these areas. We can't, is the point. And any objective journalist would would say the same, or a bloody crib, or, or car seat, or any number of things we've talked about. We've Again, you guys have seen almost all of these. We've shown you these. Or abductions to Gaza. Now, we've shown you almost every one, I think. Right? This one, for example. Oh, that's, yeah, that's not the same one. That was the girl. Now, on the point of, like, for instance, uh, uh, the German tattoo artist. And I said this on, on, I think it was on with Trish Wood this morning. I'm, I'm not going to try to speak to the individual actions of random people. That, because that's just stupid to pretend like, look, that guy hit him in the head. That's what all Palestinians think. That's really stupid. It certainly could be. But you have to realize how many uh, mainstream, you know, legitimate journalists are out there broad stroking and assuming based on individual videos. And we all used to know that that was stupid and, and broad stroking and ignorant. And what, you know, but they are all doing it. My point is, we saw, like, for instance, they were spitting on her in the back of the truck. Well, there's plenty of people that hate all Israelis because of what's been done to them for 75 years. Is that justified? No. There's plenty of Israelis that support their plight, uh, their fight for freedom. My point is that it's dumb to just wipe to broad stroke on any discussion. But yes, we know that there were hostages taken. We know that they have prisoners of war. Now, is this person a military person? We don't know. And they refuse to tell you. Are they security? Are they settler? The point is we had that video that I don't even think they include of the woman being taken. Remember that? They really put that one in your face to begin with. 
that woman on the back of the bike because she looks super scared. And yeah, it was sort of scary to, to feel, you know, it, whether IDF or not being taken. And then, you know, the video of this very casual woman who's just smiling as they drive her around seems very violent, right? Yeah, I don't even see it anymore, That which makes perfect sense to me. You know why? Because you could prove that she was an IDF member. You could prove it. Anyway, now, they, this this is one of the only ones I've seen where somebody looks like they were truly beaten up and hurt, but these people are IDF members. Anyway, the point is, other like these kind of things, very clearly, they took, they took uh, this, this one looks like he was pretty beat up. The point is, these are people that are taken. And if they're civilians, then it sh- that we need, and there were, and we know that, right? That we know there were civilians taken and that needs to be called out. Anyway, I could take a long time on this. The bottom line is none of this proves that the massacres and the atrocities were committed by Hamas. Now, look, go through there. And if you find something you think is important, send it to me. I went through top to bottom on this thing. Now, my point in this is to go over some of these as well. Oh, and then general to show you not only that we're now having the back, that, you know, the number has gone down, the amount that were taken, the amount that were the atrocities that were committed, almost every aspect of this has at least been walked back. I don't know why we don't then stand back and go, okay, pause for a minute. Like Ukraine lies about 14 stories in a row. We still just, well, because these people in these corporate media positions don't care is the point. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I think they're in a pale spin kind of effort right now to reshift the focus because of how much they've lost control of this. Now, this guy, number one best-selling author of seven books, The Sun, New York Post, Spectator, you know, classic propaganda. Post-columnist Douglas Murray visits Israel, sees Hamas horrors. And look, what does he see? He sees carefully crafted images and things that we can't brew, but Israel goes, here's the context. And he goes, oh, it's terrible. And we keep showing you this. We've shown you when this first happened. I said, look, though, they're gonna, they said, we're going to finally release the videos and all the information. And then they said, for select people in a special screening. And it's like, come on, everybody should have realized what that was. So now he is going around. The world must not forget. And here he is with, <sighs> excuse me, got something bothering my throat. <clears> throat. Here he is with Piers Morgan. Who have, who have seemed to have, you know, in a, I argue, a very cowardly way because he clearly saw that people saw what he was doing and all the rest of them has walked back to some kind of middle position where he's acting like both sides matter. And I'll give him this. It's better than 99% of people out there that are acting like only, you know, there is no genocide. It's only because of October, you know, whatever they're saying. But I still, I just don't believe he's honest about this, especially because of everything else he says after he makes those kind of statements. But you can decide for yourself. But this rabbi is saying, best interview I've ever seen. It's just... Why? Because he's towing every line you could imagine. But let's look at this for a second. I'm not going to watch the whole thing, but you'll very quickly see why this is some, not what it appears to be. This is a recent interview. After all that we've shown, the 40 beheaded babies, for example, being shown to be lies. Here's how this starts. Concerns me about what Israel is doing. It's not their efforts to get rid of Hamas, but the, because of the particular nature of Hamas embedding themselves amongst civilian populations. Is that what's happening? We'll go over that in a second again. You saw the opening clip. I don't think that's happening. Now, what's interesting is that kind of, that's one of the reasons I, I'm going, saying I don't believe Pierce, because if you're going at this like, you know, well, we have to be outraged about what they're doing too, but then cementing in something that is allowing the argument, so, such as, well, we know they're in civilian locations and we know they're using human shields, but does that, well, hold on a minute. I don't think we know that. I think all the evidence speaks to the contrary. 
So that may be what people like him are being tasked with, if you want to look at it that way, to, you know, kind of sort of play the other side and bring people in. And that's how these things tend to work, right? Where you have the controlled opposition or everyone to look at it and they'll act like they're, but then they'll cement you, you know, without you realizing it's secondary points that are important for future manipulations. With the massive amounts of civilian casualties that will inevitably come and that figure will grow and grow and grow. Inevitably? I mean, my God, that's, that's disgusting. I don't believe his stance at all. Are we not, as Barack Obama warned, are we not creating here uh, just an, an opportunity for far greater radicalization of all those young Palestinians who watched their loved ones get killed? Of course, without question, because you're murdering them and calling them terrorists. You're going to cause people that want to act with violence, justified or not. And I don't, I don't condone that, but you can at least understand why they might act that way when the very people acting like they're making sure there's a rules-based international order are the ones killing you in front of your family or your family in front of you and calling that freedom and democracy. My point, and before I even keep playing, I think it's interesting that he's even having this conversation with a, a, another journalist who very clearly has a very one-sided perspective on all this. So it's just, you know, you're not, it's not really objective is my point. Why would we imagine that at the end of all this, they're going to want to do anything other than to become a new version of Hamas in wanting to exact revenge well, for what happened to their families? Right. I mean, it's not a fair, it's a fair question. Well, two things. One is, if you just follow the logic of what Barack Obama said, then you just shouldn't do anything. I mean, see, this is what's so infuriatingly stupid. Who said that? He's saying, don't commit genocide. You could go in with special operations, which they're clearly terrified to do, and actually try to seek out the people you're going for and make sure you avoid civilian casualties. But no, he's literally arguing the only option is nothing or bombing indiscriminately. So he's not an objective person. That's ridiculous, but it gets worse. Uh, if you're Israel, you should be attacked and just sit back and say, great, we'll wait for the next one. Nope. Um, but the second and more important thing is your question supposes that there is a sort of peaceful Palestinian population in the Gaza who would love a two-state solution and then a few bad apples in Hamas. I think that's not true. Why is it? So, First of all, to pretend that he knows what every or even the majority of Palestinians think is pretty it's pretty ignorant and obtuse, but the, the the idea that we can literally prove that this has been an ongoing, I mean, the vast, the vast majority of Palestinians are publicly and outspoken about their desire for this, whether or not they hate Israel or Israelis individually, they want their own state. Just to pretend that that is just a, a lie that they would create their state, and then go on murdering them because they just hate Jews. There's nothing that actually makes that, like you can show individuals on both sides that hate each other, but this is trying to dehumanize an entire population. That's a journalist doing that, by the way. That when uh, one of the victims of the music festival, uh, a poor young German Jewish girl, uh, who it seems was was raped and then uh, brutally uh, murdered and taken into the Gaza naked. Oh, is that what happened? Well, let's let's walk it back for a second, right? We have no evidence she was raped. She wasn't naked. And then the mother and Newsweek confirmed that she was brought to a hospital. But let's leave out all of the facts and just go back to day one propaganda narrative, because that's what journalists should do, right? Why was it that you can find, and anyone can find this online, uh, a crowd of ordinary Gazans, it wasn't uh, Hamas, it was Palestinians, by the way, it wasn't Hamas rally, ordinary Gazans. And how does he know they're not Hamas? Oh, because it wasn't a Hamas rally? Were they, were they just, is that only places Hamas turns up at Hamas rallies? 
Again, I mean, I, I shouldn't even need to go further. Nobody has yet proven who those people were, where they came from. Now, look, I'll be the first to tell you it's most likely Palestinians who just were angry with what happened and felt like this person represented what their anger should be focused on. It's ignorant and not journalistic. It's not a journal. It is counter to journalistic integrity to pretend that you would then know what every Palestinian or even suggest that that's what they think. That's an opinion. Uh, uh, spitting on her body, uh, hitting her body, mutilating her body further as it went down the street. Does that mutilating? There's a reason to use that word. There's no evidence they continued to mutilate her body. What you could see, by the way, was a, a head injury, which I believe was an IDF bullet. She was brought to a hospital that was then later bombed and put out of commission. That's I. That's what I actually think happened, based on the evidence that we can see. My opinion, based on the facts. Right. They, her mom herself confirmed this with Newsweek that she was brought to a hospital. OK, so then we know they were bombing and targeting hospitals. We know that in particular, the one that they said she was taken to was shut down for lack of fuel less than a week after she was brought. So it seems likely she died or got bombed and killed. Or she was killed by somebody else. The point is that all the evidence points to the first point. But yet this journalist would just omit all of that and go with the what Israel said strike you, Piers, as a uh, placid population of peacenik types who are just desperately waiting for a two-state solution to be put back on the table for the millionth time in the last 70-something years. Oh, right, because it's always Palestine that says no, right? That's also a false narrative they always spin up. I think it was, uh, I forget, there's a tweet that I, I don't think I included today that goes over this, the illusion that they, oh, I think it was Aaron Mate. <clears throat> that they pretend that they Palestinians refuse the idea. No, that's absurdly false. And the international community is well aware of this. Israel continues to say we'll never allow that, but then blames it on them. It's sort of like they say, we're going to bomb that hospital. You better get out of the way or we're going to bomb that hospital. And they go, oh, Hamas bombed it. That's the Ali hospital story. Literally how it happened. And the rest of them, I think they just stopped caring that we knew it was them. And they just said, well, Hamas is there. But the Ali hospital, they were warning them. They told them to get out of the way. They said, we're going to bomb it. And then when it got bombed, they blamed Hamas. Everybody just believes it, apparently. That's pretty stupid. It doesn't seem like that to me. Oh, and the, and the point, they're all peaceniks? Who in the world is even making this argument? This is a false paradigm, a false dichotomy. They're creating a back and forth where either they're all peaceful, they're all terrorists. Well, this is really stupid and low, but this is willfully ignorant coverage of something that clearly, from a legal perspective, allows violence in the context of military targets from an occupied territory. He either doesn't know this or doesn't care. But the idea to frame them as peaceniks, I mean, that's quite frankly the opposite of the reality. And I'm not suggesting terrorism. What I'm saying is you've got a group of people that have been oppressed for 75 years, and they are acting in accordance with the law in many different ways, and they're protesting or acting out in their armed rebellion. What about that as peacenik? And who in the world is claiming that? Apparently only this false person he thinks he's talking to. What that is, is framing a false narrative. Now, I can go on the whole thing. The whole thing is like this. And according to this guy, it was the best interview he's ever seen. Why? Because we're towing lines. And someone in the, in the comments, just because I say journalists does not mean I give him that respect in regard to Ben or the rest of them. The point is they call themselves journalists and they're very clearly just propagandists in every sense of the word. But by the way, as we get into more of the lies, Israel the official account for Israel just got caught lying yet again. I put this image just in case people missed it. As I said, the official Israel account just got community noted again for lying about this video. 
Footage of Hamas terrorists inside the Indonesian hospital. Why? Because they're about to try. They're already bombing it. They're already attacking this area. <clears throat> they're bombing hospitals. I think seven different hospitals simultaneously. It just doesn't make any sense, especially since nobody has proven. And I think we've already proven that they're not there. Hamas is not holding these hospitals. According to doctors, according to the United Nations, according to people that are presently there and people that have already left from not not Palestinians, but London doctors, doctors from New York. I'll show you in a second. And yet they just keep bombing all these hospitals and mosques and schools and journalists and children. And everyone's like, well, Hamas, human shields, like that NPC name we just showed you. It's embarrassingly stupid. And quite frankly, it makes me sick because we're, we're talking about human lives here. And they know what they're doing and acting like we're fighting for freedom. It's just like the U.S. government, but far, far, far worse in this context. But they say footage of Hamas terrorists inside the Indonesian hospital. Hamas endangers the sick. Hamas endangers the elderly. Hamas. Right. You know why they're doing that? Because those are all the things that they're killing right now. So they want you to go Hamas. It's all Hamas's fault. That's the atrocity propaganda kind of idea. But original HQ footage from Al Jazeera shows what appears to be a police baton. Object can be seen several times. And that's pretty clear that it is not a gun. They don't care, guys. That's the point. And look, they even stop it and use this thing. It's so obviously not a gun. And my point is, the usual suspects come in, Mr. Eli David, filmed inside the hospital. And then he goes, there's, and he adds a piece, apparently, which I'm not even sure where he got, where he shows a guy at the end that he claims is, no, it just froze on me. Look, he thinks, oh, it's a Hamas member. No, it's very clearly a security guard inside the hospital. The bottom line is, as this guy says, oh, and this is showing you, here's another Hamas member in uniform. No, he's, it's, it's obviously not a Hamas member. It is a security guard at the hospital, which we've proven already in the way that they look and the way that they dress. As he says here, this is a security guard, which I do agree with. Regardless, this is not a justification to bomb a hospital. Like, think about how ridiculous this is. Not only is he laughing about it as they literally are killing people in these locations right now shrugging it off don't forget dr eli david was the one that continues to argue that the Ali hospital was not even bombed despite the doctors there showing you the dead bodies despite the un proving that that happened he still just laughs about it because they're good people that care about human life right well on top of all of that lying about what's happening to justify murdering people in a hospital Sarah Wilkinson points out, no one is sheltering inside the Indonesian hospital, which or it says which is no longer functioning without fuel, can leave. No one sheltering in this hospital is now allowed to leave. So get this. They're bombing around this hospital, bombing these hospitals in general, like the, the Al-Shifa hospital, which we'll get to, was bombed literally again, not just the roof, but the hospital itself. And then they, well, at first they're telling, get out of the way, even though they're clearly doing whatever they want anyway. Now they're not allowing people to leave while continuing to bomb it. So explain for me how that makes human shields. If you're the one stopping them from leaving, Israelis will shoot them on site. The video showing them literally looking for people in these hospitals. Not a single incident. You can see this across the board right now. This one is an example of people trying to leave the Rantisi hospital. So they were told to evacuate. Then as they're evacuating, Look, everyone is literally walking with their hands in the air because they know that people are going to shoot them anyway. There, there was a shot that fired right there. And they're still trying to walk out. And they open fire entirely and people run. So what's about to happen? 
There you go. They're 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 bombing where they're currently being, you know, holding up the people that are sheltering from the bombing. They're bombing those locations. They're bombing U.N. locations. They're bombing schools, U.N. schools, which not even Israel's claiming Hamas is there. They're bombing where they tell them to go. Amnesty's proven that they're bombing the, the crossing where they might even be able to go, even though they won't let them on both sides. And yet we're supposed to pretend like all of this makes sense. Oh, it's going to start playing on me. I'm going to mute that. Here is another example. Al Jazeera. Palestinians fleeing on one of the main roads where they're told to go, mind you, toward the Ga southern Gaza, where they're telling them to flee to, have now come under attack by Israel. And here's where it's important. This See, this is one of the points that you should really... Doctors without borders. Gaza, at the time of writing, our staff are witnessing people being shot at as they attempt to leave the Al-Shifa hospital. This is important. Doctors Without Borders urgently reiterates its calls to stop the attacks against hospitals for an immediate ceasefire and the protection of medical facilities, medical staff, and patients. And here's what one of these pro-Zionist, pro-Israel people writes. You need to write this in Arabic for Hamas. Think about this, guys. They're saying we need to stop the attacks on the hospitals where Palestinians are. And they just immediately deflect, oh, the Hamas did it. It's Hamas. No evidence. And by the way, you can prove that these are Israel. You know why? Because Israel has been telling us for weeks that they're going to bomb this hospital. And yet even their sycophants online just still the Hamas, human shield. It's grotesque. But Doctors Without Borders is telling you, one, they're bombing these areas. And two, that they're shooting at the people who they told to leave as they try to leave. So what you need to understand is this is them trying to kill all Palestinians while creating the illusion that they're trying to do it without killing people and the U.S. government blindly towing that line as we can see one of the most obvious genocides in the history of, I mean, my God, my, my experience and living memory at the very least. They're shooting the people as they leave the hospital. These are the kind of stories that make this clear that this is not what they're telling you, like bombing U.N. buildings. Times of Gaza writes, Israel occupation forces execute a Palestinian family, an entire family, while trying to exit the Al-Shifa hospital, despite the fact that they were holding white flags. They're telling them to get out of the way and then murdering them as they go while waving white flags. Anybody confused about this? Dan Cohen writes, and this is, the, this is where we get into the actual bombing of this location. They drop what appears to be a Hellfire RX-9 missile next to the journalist tent outside the Al-Shifa hospital. Journalists. At least one man lost his leg, as seen in the video, while another is injured. Another Israeli war crime documented for the world to see. Now, I'm going to show you some things in this next segment here that are that are pretty graphic. I just want to warn you. I, I've been largely trying to avoid this, but I think it's important to understand what happened here. just so horrible and it's right next to a tent full of journalists 
Just think about all the fake journalists out there pretending they're journalists who wouldn't even speak up for an entire tent full of journalists when they were bombed here or the many times they were executing and and bombing and targeting journalists in Ukraine and they didn't say a word. They being in this, that case, Ukraine, obviously. The point is they just, these fake people who could not care less. Of course, when, you know, when uh, I think it was Acosta gets, or was it Acosta? I forget his name. Jim Acosta, I think is what his name, right? He gets a little bit of a bump on his arm while they're exchanging microphones and the whole journalistic community loses their mind about Trump's attack on journalism. That's who these people are. But yet we watch them bomb journalists and they act like you're a terrorist. Children, cowards, every one of them. Cuds News Network reports the head of surgery department at the Al Shifa Hospital says directly to Al Jazeera, I did not see any Red Cross vehicles in the vicinity of the hospital, which I think the point there is that that may suggest that there's awareness to this, that they were evacuated essentially before they bombed the hospital because Red Cross is not the crescent, right? The Red Cross is an international entity that, you know, would call more attention to what they're doing should they bomb them, even though they already have, by the way, they bombed them already. We have lost all telecommunications and we did not know what was going on outside the hospital. We are hearing sounds of explosions from inside the hospital corridors. What is happening is a disgrace to all international medical and health institutions. Now, this, of course, is they're already blocking from being able to see, even though the tweet's right here. <clears throat> says we, and, and this, we, I, we told you this was coming, guys, in regard to specifically Al Shifa Hospital. Why? Because Israel kept telling you they were going to do it. And the UN kept telling them there was no way they could move these people. And they bombed it anyway. And no, Hamas is not there per doctors in and outside of Gaza as if that would justify it anyway. But this one is hard to watch. So if you have children, I highly recommend you don't let them see this. Scenes from the Al Shifa hospital, not outside, but what's happening to these people who are, hell, who are, being, who are there because of other bombings, because of displacement because of other actions carried out by the illegal Israeli occupation. This makes me so sick to think about the people that are just to see this stuff. You think Ben and, and David don't see this stuff? They just go terrorists, lost, human shield. The lack of humanity is staggering. Children, women, and disabled, and, and everyone. 2.5 million people, every walk of life, and they're all suffering. And it's not just because they're being bombed and killed and, and dismembered. It's because their entire lives have been destroyed. For how, what, for what, the third, fourth time in their life or their family's history? It's just disgusting, and I really keep saying this for a reason. Do not forget who these people showed you they are. The next story comes around. We don't just, you know, these people, this is something that I will never forget. Philip Proudfoot points out, I've just seen a video of injuries resulting from, and this is really important, a small bomb. In quotes, 
dropped on the car park in Al Shifa Hospital. You know why he says that? Because this is the conversation of Blinken going, well, we're asking them to minimize by using smaller munitions because it'll lessen. Well, here's an example of how that smaller munition blew people's legs off. The point is, it's a ridiculous argument to pretend that using smaller bombs is going to, you're murdering civilians in broad daylight. It doesn't matter you're dropping 45 small bombs or five big ones. The point is they're continuing to nonstop bomb civilians. The footage of the aftermath of a small IDF strike maiming those in the vicinity of the hospital will live with him forever, he says. A man loses his legs screaming in agony. He was probably waiting for loved ones inside the hospital or seeking shelter. I swear I will not rest until every single politician in my country is held accountable for facilitating and excusing such unbelievable crimes. Every journalist, every public figure must be held to account. He points out that this is the video we already showed you, very traumatizing, but then the reality of what our politicians are defending. Actually, I don't think I even... Yeah, this is the same one. He says, hospitals are being repeatedly hit by Israel. Please log all apologies and defamations of ceasefire protests with uh, archived genocide. Never forget, never forgive. Now, here's the important point. Low-key points this out. The Hellfire. R9X bladed missile, which is just crazy to me. We've already shown you this. This is a real thing. The U.S. government's involved. <clears throat> that you not only have munitions that are exploding things half the time using illegal munitions, but you literally have blades that come out around the bomb to increase the suffering. The point is, this is the bomb they used in the courtyard of El Shifa Hospital. It was produced by the U.S. arms firm Lockheed Martin. Their slogan, we never forget who we're working for. Why would you need that? This is, these are merchants of death, and your government is happily reaping the profits. And this is your small bomb, because that because Blinken said it would minimize the problem, minimize something. Noir Ode points out now this is important because there were reports in the beginning of this, <clears throat> and I it, they, they are I think it was either a mistranslation or the person misspoke while they were giving the speech. The director of Shifa Hospital, it, it was being circulated that thirty nine infants were murdered in this bombing but it turns out that there there were there were 39 that were alive still and one had died due to the lack of the the fuel and, and the different circumstances he repeats 39 babies are alive sustained by manual life support by hero doctors they face imminent death but are still alive at this point they could be dead at this moment they need help don't forget because they don't have the ability to maintain what they need the incubators and the fuel to make that to keep them running the Minister of Health in Ramallah misspoke in the press conference earlier and said that they had died. The ministry has since issued a clarification that babies in the, the ICU face imminent death, but they are alive. But one of them has already died. One is too many. Add that to the 4,500 total. But Grasana Bushita, who's, been one of the, who's one of the doctors from London, who is still there, risking his life to stay there. The hospital has collapsed, he reports, yesterday, late yesterday, or the, the morning yesterday. Well, I'll te technically, I think that would have been this morning for us here. Wounded and staff leaving in droves. Missile attacks this morning on the outpatient department, which housed internally displaced. The guys, they are aiming for these people. There's just no way around this. This, oh, oh and then I was going to, before the next clip, I was going to show you. Here's just his reports from today. Amputated the arm and leg of a six-year-old girl, then had to tell her mother. Now, I hope, you know, these are the kind of things that Ben Shapiro is okay with. The shrapnel went in through the back of 11-year-old and perforated his bowels. Two-hour surgery. This went through his back. 
The wounded are no longer being treated for their injuries. They're being stabilized the best they could, which means that that means they expect them to die. Delayed treatment, especially in children, leads to delayed reconstruction and eventually increased disability. That's why they're keeping the fuel back intentionally. And it goes on, guys. I mean, it just it just never. This stuff will sit with me for the rest of my life, and I'm not even there. Here's Danielle Moda. So we already showed you speaking to the corporate media and just blown away by their callous disregard for what's happening. And they still couldn't even wrap their minds around it. She she's trying to tell people what they're doing and she breaks down the reality that they're these people are choosing to stay here knowing Israel is bombing hospitals in full display and the UN, the world, the governments, they just seem to not care. And she's they're choosing to stay with these people. These are real heroes. Medical staff want to leave, but we cannot. We might not survive until the morning. and our medical profession. I am calling for help urgently. Please do whatever you can through your government or the international, the ICRC, the Red Cross, to arrange a safe corridor for the medical staff. Please treat this as top urgent. This is the director of the major trauma hospital in Gaza. Cease fire now! Cease fire now! Cease fire now! Right, and you know what, Ben and all the rest of them, and, and David, and I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not really trying to always focus on them specifically, just the names that they're constantly in the, you know, showing up and, and towing these lines more than anybody. But anybody out there acting like them, they call these people trash. They call them, they call them terrorist supporters. Why? Because you're trying to stop the indiscriminate murder of civilians. I just, I mean, look, you could, if you want to try to make your bent, broken argument about how bombing these people is somehow justified, you go ahead and sign that and own that for the rest of your life. But to then go further and act like people who are at just trying to stop the killing of those people, regardless of what you think is happening, are then somehow supporting terrorism. I mean, it just, it, it exposes what these people really are at the very least that they are either being influence to lie about this or are this lacking of objectivity when it comes to things they're emotionally attached to. It's grotesque. These people are risking their lives to save people that Israel is bombing at every chance in every location from top to bottom, left to right, south to north. Makes me sick. I'm just noticing this tweet down here. Israel, this is coming from her as well. Israeli reporter, the, the tanks of the, oh, you know what? I think I missed that. That's actually not her. I apologize. So that's not her name, actually. I take that back. Uh, it doesn't say it there. In any case, this is Daniela Mudas is not this person speaking. I apologize for that. I just read that quickly. But here's what she's posting here. 
Israeli reporter, the tanks of the Israeli army surrounded two children hospitals in the Gaza and demanded their evacuation. IDF deliberately wants to clash Hamas near hospitals. That's what she's saying to claim later that they were attacked from inside. Well, the point is you don't need any more to realize they're the ones surrounding. They're the ones telling them to evacuate. So when these things get bombed and people inevitably die, it's no one's fault, but Israel, not because they specifically mean that because they're the ones doing the bombing and they're telling you there is no Hamas members. There are no Hamas members. And even worse than that, Dan Cohen is, is exposing this, and this is important to understand, and this is how these people think, and I'm only talking about the ones carrying out these acts, the IDF members, and yes, a lot of the population who are blinded by the Zionist agenda, but they, they do not believe that any Palestinian is, is a civilian or innocent, despite the fact that their government still lies to people on the world stage about that exact point, as they indiscriminately bomb them and they act like, we want to get them out of the way. Everything they do shows you that's not true. Their statements, their actions, the way that they bomb them, where they tell them to go, the way that they're bombing UN locations and hospitals and schools. But he says the words written on this Israeli explosive, and we've, I've seen numerous examples of this posted by the Israeli military. It's, it says, in Salah will hit innocent civilians. Basically means God willing, it will hit innocent people. The quotes are in the original inscription. You can see them right there. Implying that there are no innocent civilians. This is more evidence of genocidal intent. These things will be remembered. Sarah Abdallah points, the same Israel that claimed it doesn't bomb hospitals has now bombed seven different hospitals in a single day. Oh, in, in case you missed it, by the way, what she's telling you here, more than 200 doctors killed by Israel so far. Here, it's not just hospitals. It's not just schools. It's not just civilians. They're bombing bakeries. Food And here's a mosque being destroyed. Absolutely insane footage of Israel wiping out the Khalid bin al-Walid mosque in Gaza yesterday. It just, it just never stops. And all they do is say Hamas, and everyone acts like that makes sense. Even if they were there, every international body has told you that that does not justify these protected locations being bombed. Three rights groups have filed ICE international criminal court lawsuits against Israel over Gaza genocide. They've losing control of this. Here is the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. Now, he, he, and he talks about both sides of this, but you have to make sure you understand the point that is right now with what's ongoing is that even people in these positions who are, who are balanced enough to be able to say, yes, the Israeli civilians being killed and attacked are just as bad are telling you that what's happening in Gaza is a war crime. There's, it's that obvious to pretty much everybody. So if you're out there wondering where you stand, recognize that only people with investment in a political side are telling you that this is okay. Here is the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. Atrocities perpetrated by Palestinian armed groups on the 7th of October were heinous. They were war crimes as is the continued holding of hostages. The collective punishment by Israel of Palestinian civilians is also a war crime, as is unlawful, forcible evacuation of civilians. Right. It's as simple as that. There's no law, there's no reason that somehow makes that okay. But also, to his first point, let's remember that we now know based on testimony and, and other provable evidence that some of the people that were burned alive and so on were killed by the IDF, right? So that 
that changes what we might think there, as well as the fact that, that when he says atrocities, he's talking about the crimes, not just the simple act of military violence in, in accordance with international law. The atrocities is a different word. He's talking about the people that they claim were raped or murdered or beheaded, many of which they've already walked back. The point is that those things committed are still atrocities or crimes. But the act of actual military engagement in regard to the beginning of October 7th, that was legal under international law. I will not, that's, it's a simple and easily proven fact. I know that bothers people. Act like we're somehow supporting terrorism. It's just not the truth. And I'm, in fact, it doesn't even imply that I support it. I simply just stating an objective fact. I know how much the Israeli government hates objective facts. Now, here is an example of one of these displacements. Just one person, by the way. But we don't need to see, or we, I mean, we shouldn't need to see more. There's an endless amount of information and, and videos showing you people who are being displaced. You know, the mass migration that we continue to see, forced migration, where they literally force these people away from their homes and act like that's somehow a positive thing. Like they're somehow doing this for them. That, again, is my point about people that are, you know, murderers are bad, but murderers who pretend that they're saving people are the worst of the worst. And that's what we're dealing with here. It really is just a disgusting thing to see. I was, was going to grab one other thing. I don't think I can find it really quickly. No, that's too bad. There was one point I was going to show you about the displacement, but I'll come back to it later. But this person, a 90-year-old Palestinian, Inam, experienced the original Nakba, the original ethnic cleansing, in 1948. Today, and this was on the 10th, yesterday, he was displaced from his city and deported to the southern of Gaza. And look at this person, guys. Walking. What is it, 9, 10 miles? Walking. Is that a Hamas member? What is he going to do? How is he going to feed himself? How is he going to survive? Most of the people are sleeping in the street, if not inside buildings where they know that Israel's bombing, south or north. Sam Husseini, again, knocking it out of the park, really exposing how desperately terrified these people are of engaging with this conversation. You know why? Because the Fourth Geneva Convention applied to this conversation or rather acknowledging, which he sort of accidentally does, that Israel is bound by this or that they think that they are, simply goes on to continue to prove that they're breaking the law. But everybody with a brain can see this right now. These people are afraid. I really mean that, by the way. The, the U.S. government, I think, is very aware the way that the world is shifting around this, and they see the writing on the wall. That's why I think they're all shifting like, like Macron. But you know what? It's not going to change. They're already culpable. Their actions have already allowed 30 days of one of the most, have allowed the one of the worst genocides I've ever seen. Here's Sam Husseini yet again holding the State Department to account. Uh, you're for a durable peace and security, and you want Israel to abide by international law. I'm going to pick up where I left off yesterday. Does the U.S. recognize the Fourth Geneva Convention as applying to Gaza and the West Bank? Sam, uh, I'm not going to get into the specifics of uh, uh, the legal uh, aspects of this. I would have to double check for you. But what I will just say is that we have. Uh, I don't want to take clear. up a lot of time if we're going to just Great. repeat. Can, no, no, no. I mean, I'd like to move on if we're okay. going to repeat. The, 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 it has been longstanding U.S. policy that the Fourth Geneva Convention does apply. Indeed, if the Fourth Geneva Convention doesn't apply, it's not clear to me what legal constraints there are on Israel. The Hansel Memo was issued by Cyrus Vance when he was Secretary of State. That was U.S. policy. That's been U.S. policy. Pompeo seems to have said, we're not going to abide by this. 
ah, of course it was Trump's administration. Of course it was Pompeo. So they deviated from the norm like they did with so many other things. And I think that was what Trump was used for. They just blame, oh, Trump. He was the Trump. That was the Trump time. Well, they used that to deviate from a lot of things they still maintain and, you know, allowed the entire COVID-19 lockdown and the entire agenda and the vaccines and it all, you know, totally not Trump's fault, though. Right, guys? Has this has this State Department, has the Biden Blinken State Department effectively abrogated uh, decades of U.S. policy and adopted the Pompeo policy on this question? <laughs> Puts him against Trump. That's funny. I'm not sure what you're uh, what you're referring to, but okay. uh, the, the I, Hansel memo is. Uh, I I understand what the what the Hansel memo is, but you I do. Okay. You, your question does it still apply? Very simple. Does this State Department still <laughs> abide by the Hansel? We memo? have had no change in policy as it relates to Oops. the Hansel memo, which you is something. So that either means no change of policy. I mean, see, that's it's, it's these guys are so ridiculous. So arguably, that would mean that the policy from the memo itself hasn't changed, which means that then they do believe that it applies to Israel, the Fort Geneva Convention. But you very well could argue he meant no change from when Pompeo changed it, which means they don't. But I think that's why you said it like that. That Matt has spoken to uh, the Hansel. We memo. have had no change in policy as it relates to the Hansel memo, which you is something been. that Matt has spoken to uh, an, a number of months ago as well. But let so, me just so, reiterate, Sam, that this uh, we have. Um, uh, from the forefront of this conflict, we have talked about very clearly the need for uh, ensuring that this military operation is conducted in accordance with international law. That's but, you know, you know, dumb that they just keep saying that like that they're saving grace. So let me ask you something. If you need to repeatedly state and constantly assure that you're in and put in their front of them that you need to abide by the law. Doesn't it seem like that's something that suggests that they don't do that? I mean, that's, that's just the stupidest saying they have a right to defend themselves. Or, like, ask yourself, do they need to go over them and say, hey, make sure you breathe today? No, because they do. They breathe every day, right? They, a law would be something you're pretending that every government abides by, right? You wouldn't need to go, hey, just want to remind you today, don't break the law. I mean, it's just, it's just everything about the way they present this, it, it's impossible. It very clearly suggests or as we all know, I'm not even implying it's even up for debate. They're committing genocide. It's factual and obvious. But how embarrassing it is that these people are going out of their way still after 30 plus days of round the clock bombing of a massive civilian location, acting like, well, we remind them every day to make sure that they don't break the law. <laughs> oh, well, then I feel okay about it then. Let's keep murdering. Which law? You we, won't say we, that you'll buy. And that's the point he's trying to get to. You cut, they keep pretending, well, the law, we make sure they follow the law. What law? If they don't apply and they don't abide by or feel bound by the Geneva Conventions, then what does it matter? And I think that's the main point Sam is getting at, or I know that's what he's getting at, that they're playing this game where they act like, well, we're all under the law together, but Israel, it's like they, 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 the fact that they never have signed on to the Nuclear Pro, uh, Proliferation Treaty. But still, we pretend like they're bound by it, even though we know that they're not. And it, the U.S. will say the same kind of thing knowing that they're not, which then legally sort of boxes them out, which I think is what they're playing at here. Acting like we're all bonding by the law, but that doesn't apply to Israel, and they know that. That you, to that you abide by that today. But which law? Which law? Yeah, uh, the Fourth Geneva Convention or not? Go ahead, Alex. Which law? It's a free fire zone if you're not going to apply by the Fourth Geneva Alex. Convention. Which law? 
you're creating a, the legal construct Sam, for we've a taken two of your, If you're going to interrupt your colleagues, I'm going to ask no, you to leave. No, no, I'm interrupting you. I, you're, you're, the rest of the room has questions that they would like to get I'm, to. I'm sure I've taken they do. Your, but the, I've taken your question every day of this week. Thank you. Alex, thank please you. go ahead. I, I just haven't gotten an answer. Please go right. ahead, Alex. I know push on the corridor issue. Sure. That's always how they play the game, right? We have to move on to other questions. Like, you know, good, good on Sam for truly trying to do this. You know, actually be a journalist, right? But not saying testing, he doesn't, he always does. It. He's, he's outstanding. But the people in that room rarely do. But what, I mean, it's just such a, think about how many times now, not just Sam, Max, Sa- Saeed, Matt Lee, right? They have literally, repeatedly asked directly about that, what law, what law? And they just act like we're not going to get into a legal debate about the, it's a very specific question, and what it continues to show you is they know that's an important point to all of this. If they then admit what law they are or are not bound by, we can then further prove that they're not doing so. Or it will reveal that they're not bound by the Fourth Geneva Convention in general, and we should know that, and that that means that the, or rather the point about the, the document is that the U.S. would then argue they are regardless. Like that they're bound by that. That's the original document they were saying. Pompeo went away from that. The point is, I think we all know where we stand right now. They're not bound by anything. And they've admitted that. Didn't they already say there's no red line? I mean, what more do we need to see? Their intentionally ambiguous response may be an attempt to turn Gaza into a free fire zone. I agree. Now he breaks this down in his in his substack, which you should follow. State Department may well be trying to abrogate the Fourth Geneva Convention, turning Gaza into a West in West Bank. That's important. They do free fire zones. <clears throat> now, Times of Gaza reports today, Gaza death toll exceeds eleven thousand people. I mean, day by day, it seems to be going up by a thousand five hundred. It's it's grotesque, and that includes more than four thousand five hundred children. This is where we are. This is the current situation. <clears throat> and I mean, I went over the reality that they even Times of Israel reports about 30,000 Hamas members. The amount of bombing that they're doing, the amount of locations that they're hitting, just that alone, in my opinion, means it's literally impossible that they're only bombing Hamas locations, assuming any of them are. But all of the other evidence, the people on the ground and the doctors who are there and the medics who are there and the journalists who are there and every one of them telling you the same story. And all we get is Israel going, liar, you're racist. And the U.S. just toes along with it. People are seeing this. Now, I want to go over the reality of this one more time and very quickly. The idea that what we're talking about here, the open secret of Israel's use of human shields, it completely destroys the only left hinging part of this, right? So here they are bombing all these locations, all the hospitals and the mosques and the schools and everything else. That's weird. Now, now it shows up. And everything else. And what's their argument? Well, they're human shields. Hamas is there. Then they're using these people. We don't even know what else are we going to do? Well, there's a thousand other things that you could do besides choosing to indiscriminately bomb wherever these, you know, of course, on top of that, because your hostages are there or your prisoners. And we all know that. I mean, that point alone, I'm just still so baffled by. All these people, and that this is what I believe that the framing of who's on their side is completely false. Most people, even Israelis, are very aware whose fault this is, Israel's government and the U.S. culpability. But they know that you're bombing where their hostages, their families, their children may be held right now, according to Israel, right? And I don't know why we don't recognize how crazy that is. 
at the at best, it means that they don't really care whether they get them back. I quite frankly think they're trying to get rid of them because everyone that comes back seems to continue to challenge their narrative. And everybody sees that. So what's important is to understand this, if you haven't already seen it, is the reality behind this story. Israel has, for a very long time, used Palestinians as human shields. And it is an open secret. It's called the neighbor procedure. I'm just going to play this quick clip again. I'll include the full episode here. And there's also in this link right here, the six or seven minute clip that goes over a little bit at more length this topic. Two thousand thirteen, Palestinian children tortured, used as shields by Israel per the United Nations. Reuters, Israeli soldiers who used Palestinian boy, a nine-year-old, as human shield avoid jail. Defense for Children International, an international human rights group. Israel forces use five Palestinian children as human shields. That's twenty twenty-three. This is from 2017. Generally, human shields. Since the beginning of the occupation in 1967, Israeli security forces have repeatedly used Palestinians in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip as human shields. Israeli soldiers routinely use Palestinian civilians as human shields by forcing them to carry out life-threatening tasks. It was also following a high court petition against this practice which was filed by human rights organizations around the world in May 2002, that the IDF issued a general order prohibiting the use of Palestinians as a means of human shield against gunfire or attacks by the Palestinian side. But then it goes on to say, following the order, the use of human shields dropped sharply. However, the arms the army did not construe as a human shield the use of Palestinians, provided they consented. The army continued the widespread use of this practice, which they referred to as the neighbor procedure. Following another petition filed by human rights organizations, the High Court of Justice ruled that this practice, too, violated international humanitarian law and that this thus was illegal. And guess what they've never stopped doing? Here is the Institute for Middle East Understanding, the neighbor procedure, Israel's use of Palestinian human shields from 2012. Human Rights Watch. During military operations, Israeli soldiers routinely coerced Palestinian civilians, including children, to perform life-endangering acts that assisted military operations, the practice known as the neighbor procedure. Now, see this? Oh, <laughs> look, <I'm, laughs> you guys caught me responding to somebody there. That's funny. Well, this, I just, as, as, we'll, as we'll look at it here, hold on, I'll bring it back up. This was, as this was playing in the background, somebody responded to this clip and saying, hey, try some balanced reporting. I just said, hey, try not, try, try not being a moron. And uh, all actual. Point is, it's just so frustrating how these people you're looking at like, OK, so you got people that are dismissing this, right? Who are they listening to? Are you, are you, it's just like with the COVID conversation. Are you at a point now where you're only listening to people towing lines, like government entities who have every reason to lie to you and are now suddenly ignoring even the science groups you were telling us to listen to when everything falls apart, right? We've got, if you look at the clip, as you just saw, we've got Reuters, the United Nations, the Guardian, international entities, all of them telling you this is real. And it's, this person says it's fake. You know, it just, it's so, it's ridiculous. Probably not even a real person for all we know. The bottom line is we know this stuff is real. It's documented. And on the clip, as you can see, they even themselves issued a prohibiting order, which, by the way, proves not only they did it, 
but that they knew that it was wrong. And then it went on to do what they then used was the neighbor procedure after they stopped the other one. And that one too, as you see here, was also deemed to be a violation of international law. And to this very day, they still use it. Those are all objective facts. You can't, you can't dismiss that. And yet people do. But here's why I brought it up again today in particular. As Jake Shields reports, the IDF used a Palestinian man as a human shield. They always do what they accuse their enemy of. Now, might as well add this one too, right? Here's the clip. So they got a man in a blindfold sitting down in front of the person that was behind them with the gun. This is a human shield, like a literal version, not by default because they're in the same location, even though both of them are held in open air prison, which is the game they're playing. I just think it's it's ridiculous that we just the next day they get caught live camera using a human shield. Now, here's Israel's main account on Twitter. You know, the one that just literally got caught lying about a gun and Hamas being inside the hospital they want to bomb and are bombing. It says, this is the editorial cartoon which the Washington Post deleted. The cartoon by Michael Ramirez titled Human Shields depicted a Hamas leader using civilians as human shields. The truth might hurt, but it's still the truth. You know, okay, maybe, sure. Or maybe even the Washington Post is realizing how obviously one-sided this is and the evidence is very slanted to Israel's use of human shield. Maybe they saw my report. Who knows? The point is, they post this ridiculous cartoon showing this leader who, by the way, is the one of the very wealthy ones that, you know, they clearly we can see tied to Israel and the United States and the funding and the control. The point being tied to their bodies. Well, wait a minute. There's zero evidence of that. The UN has said there's no evidence of that. All you really say is that they're in the same location. And now as I'm helping push out into the consciousness, the open secret that they continue to do that. Or maybe they saw that they just got caught doing it live. I don't know. But Israel's basically trying to chastise them for deleting it, even though they put it out. It just, th this is a desperate entity, guys. They are being exposed in real time. Now here, I'm actually going to, I won't go through all this, but this uh, account, Amadou, I've just recently noticed, uh, put this really long and important thread together of an endless amount of videos. Soldiers enter Hebron homes at night, order and wake children. You know, the most of in the middle here are about right here. Israel's soldiers fatally shoot Muhammad uh, 18 from behind and deny him medical aid. Sees nine-year-old boy at his school. There's a, there's a whole bunch of examples of of uh, human shields. All most all of these are from Betselem, an Israeli human rights group. I mean, it's it it endless guys, endless, a lot of videos. You know, these these are just children, people you know, ducking down, being shot at by the military when they're completely unarmed. It's uh, endless. Here's a here's a a, a uh, mentally challenged kid, Down syndrome, and they're all just attacking him, and it just it just never stops. It's just gross, and it's called the ugly truth of Israel. I really recommend you go through it all. There's a lot of powerful stuff. He does another one with a little bit of overlap. It's called the life as as a as a Palestinian child, and it really is just horrible to watch what happens to these people. It's on full display. It's been there for seventy five years. Well, in regard to specifically the UN locations, which in the context of the human shield discussion is important because let's just say you buy all of it. Let's say you believe that they're using human shields and Hamas is in every school and hospital. First of all, still does not legally justify the bombing of those locations per every human rights group and international body, including the UN. So at some point you just have to recognize that they're lying to you. But on top of that, 
They bombed 50 plus UN locations and now 101 UN staff members. Not even Israel, as I've said a million times, are claiming that these are Hamas controlled locations. They know about the coordinates. They've confirmed before this that they know and they know it's protected and yet they bomb them anyway. Schools. I, I bring this up every time just because I think this really does shock people. And it's reported by Reuters. October 17th, six people, six children killed in an Israeli airstrike on a UN school in Gaza. Six killed. That one story in any other context would have blown people's minds. But nobody even saw this, I argue, unless we watch my show where others doing the same thing. The point is, they're bombing UN locations where they know and have confirmed there is no Hamas location or Hamas uh, presence and killed them with their families in many cases, in their own homes with their families, UN staff members. The U.S. government has even mentioned this. I've only ever seen one coverage now outside of Wolf Blitzer accidentally covering it, and it's this right here. Brand new. Just came out yesterday. And even then, it's almost trying to avoid the real point that Israel has caused this. It's almost as if they just up and died that day, and we don't know why. That's how they keep covering it, right? Hamas killed these people, but these people died, or they lost them, or however they frame it. As the United Nations is telling you, mothers, fathers, teachers, nurses, doctors, guards, logistic, logisticians, support staff, all the service of their community are dead. My point is, we know there's no Hamas there, and we know Israel's bombing them. So there's no dispute here. There's no debate. They are bombing and targeting locations because they're civilian. Which, by the way, I'll include this again as well. Let me add this really quickly. I always got to remember to add these so you guys have them in the show notes because that's very important to me. So you can prove these things for yourselves. Let's not forget the Amnesty International investigation. Any one of these things should have ended this conversation or at least exposed that they're lying about a huge portion of it on October 20th. Damning evidence of war crimes as Israeli attacks wipe out entire families. And the main part to understand here is in this investigation, they present an in-depth analysis of just five attacks. Only between the 7th and the 12th. Can you imagine how many there's been and since the 12th and to now the 11th and a whole other month? In each of these cases, Israeli attacks violated international law. They proved this, including by failing to take feasible precautions to spare civilians or by carrying out indiscriminate attacks that failed to distinguish between civilians or military targets or simply by targeting individual civilian locations and objects. They proved every one of these in their own investigation and not a word. Not the United Nations, not the media, not the governments, just nothing. That's despicable. And here's what they actually said. Oh, maybe I didn't include this. Yeah, I, I was going to go past it. The point is, I'm and this this person simply relays to this woman. I'm very sorry to let you know that this is only the number we're able to confirm. Right. So 101, right over 100. That's all they can confirm. It's going to be more. And all they really type, I'll say in here is, you know, that they they don't really get into the fact that this is an Israeli bombing attack downplaying at every turn. Robin Minotti points out Israel's war in Gaza is not a valid act of self-defense in international law. And this is the point we made before, right? In general, everybody has the right to self-defense. So it's a really stupid thing to continue to drown in. They have a right to self-defense. So does everybody, everybody, but not everybody in every circumstance. Because in this case, you can prove that they are an occupier 
which means that the occupied being got Palestine being, and they're the, as the occupier fighting them per international law does not give them the right to self-defense. Even talking about, as we pointed out the other day, the belligerent occupier point, they are not meeting their obligations because they're not protecting the civilian population. In every legal avenue, they are not doing what is legally allowed. Now, point in what I, when I continue to say, the idea of why everybody has that right in regard to any normal circumstance is because they repeatedly say this because they want you thinking that they're always in self-defense. They're always defending themselves. They're not actually murdering people right now. It says the problem, and this is per Ralph Wilde, Faculty of Laws, University College, London. The problem is that Israel's position in this regard has been created by its own decision for over half a century to exercise the use of force over the Palestinian West Bank and the Gaza Strip through its longest in modern history occupation of these territories, despite this being illegal. There's no debate. There's just narratives that try to change that. Paradoxically, by choosing to flagrantly disregard compliance with the international law on the use of force and the law of self-determination, Israel has put itself in a position where, because of this, it is not in a position to benefit from international law framework that permits states to address certain forms of cross-sovereign border threats. Not only did Israel's own actions degrade international law through its flagrant half-century-plus of defiant illegal occupation, also, in doing this, it operated in arrangement in a territory which, because of its, this illegality, rendered inoperable the international legal right states have to defend themselves as far as threats emanating from that territory are concerned. Another reason why they just keep screaming that statement, because they likely know that they've created the circumstance where they don't uniquely, ha they uniquely don't have that, circum that right. It's just every single aspect of this. And the worst part is everybody who screamed about doing the right thing and fighting for freedom and equity and sustainability and the rules-based international order are blindly going forward in support of this. Other than, you know, suddenly walking it back after 30 days, like Macron and the U leader, of, you know, the UN commissioner and all these people that were acting like they have the right and everything's okay. And suddenly they realize that nobody's on their side and they start walking that back. Too late. Too late. You're already culpable. <clears throat> now, in regard to the hostage conversation or the prisoners of war, this is reported by, uh, this is where I saw it first. This is corresponded at the KANN diplomatic desk. Israel Public Broadcasting Corporation from Israel, an agreement reached to exchange Palestinian women and teenagers, because the terrorists, of course, he has to include terrorists because, you know, he's towing a narrative here. Not that these are just Palestinians possibly detained for no reason, which happens every day, detained by Israel for 100 hostages held by Hamas. And you just got to love how they frame these things, right? Detained versus hostage. Like it's funny how, isn't it the same exact thing in both sides? No. <laughs> One side are detainees and political, blah, blah, blah. Oh, those are hostages. Israel officials tell me there is no conclusion and no deal. So that's interesting, right? So what I'm going to show you is the reporting from pretty much every angle around the world saying, this seems to be what they agreed on. We'll wait and see what happens. But this is a correspondent at an Israeli outlet from the diplomatic desk from the Israel Public Broadcasting Corporation, who's saying that the officials told him there are no conclusions and no deal. Which, by the way, is exactly what I expected. But it says there are efforts at the same time as the fighting to do everything we can to return the hostages. Oh, is there, though? Like, look at this guy already trying to give the, you know, trying to gaslight. They just told you that we're not making a deal. But at the same time, while they murder and bomb everywhere those people may be, <clears throat> They're doing everything they can. 
<clears throat> well, no, everything they can would be not bombing and special operations and trying to get them back. No, everything is obviously not what they're doing. Here is TASS, Russian news agency agreement reached to swap Palestinians in Israeli prisons for 100 Hamas hostages. But here is the Seattle Times, one of the only outlets that's really kind of given a lot of information on this. Israel considering, and this was yesterday, a deal for Hamas to release all civilian hostages, according to officials. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hamas and Israel are negotiating two hostage release proposals, one involving a small number of people and one that could involve 100 or more civilians being held in the Gaza Strip, according to officials briefed. Now, this, by the way, guys, is not new. This is what I keep trying to show people, and I'll show you my tweet in a second again. They've already offered this, literally this exact situation, like two weeks ago, a week after that. They say they twice have refused this. As we know, they voted down a ceasefire despite every other country in the UN, other than the US and Israel, voting to have a ceasefire. They voted that down too. So they clearly wanted this to happen, at least to this point. Now, either that means that this was some end point they needed to achieve before they did this, or they're realizing they're not going to be able to achieve the absolute mass ethnic cleansing and murder of this entire location and are shifting into something else. I don't know. But what I do know is they have allowed this to go on which has risked the lives of the people there from the, for the Israeli people there. And it's continued to risk the lives of innocent Palestinians for 30 plus days. There's no way to pretend like this is in good faith, but now suddenly they're talking about negotiations. They know, remember the, the Israeli person just told you that they told him that that's not happening. No deal. I can't confirm that he's accurate, but I think that's a really telling. He is from the Israel public broadcasting corporation. But it says that under one proposal being discussed, Hamas would release 10 to 20 civilian hostages, which I'll show you in a second is all they claim to actually have, which is very telling. Now, also, all the narrative becomes is they're just lying about that or not, or they accidentally took civilians in an effort to take only members of the military, which kind of begins to seem like the case. Israeli women and children, as well as foreigners, including Americans, in exchange for a brief pause in hostilities. Yeah, remember the Americans, four to 600, I guess we're told. They could all be dead right now, for all we know, because of the indiscriminate bombing. But in exchange for brief pauses in hostilities, which is just embarrassing. As everybody, the UN rapporteur, the UN, it's just insulting. So you're going to pause, feed them, and then bomb them again? Yes. So it's just an illusion, guys. One, and this is, a, they could be followed by a larger release of about 100 civilians if terms are met which I'm willing to bet you that they're going to claim they didn't meet their whatever terms they claimed. And that'll be the reason they don't do it. They'll blame it on Hamas and say they didn't meet their end, even though they, like we saw with Yemen, every 30 seconds, they would pretend that Yemen, the, the Houthis didn't achieve their end and we could prove they did. And Pompeo would stand up and say, that's their fault. Even though Saudi Arabia, every time they had a ceasefire, would push in and take more territory. Every time. It's the same kind of thing. I don't think they want this to conclude. I don't think they have good faith in these operations. Just like they always try to blame Palestine for not accepting a two-state solution, even though every single time they blame it on the very groups that they're manipulating or the fact that they have rockets fired in a field that I don't even think happened. And they go, oh, they're fighting us. And we have to pause everything. Either way, it's not in good faith. They don't want this because their own statements make that clear. As far back as you look, they're screaming to anyone who will listen in Israel that they will never allow a two-state solution. And then your president comes up and says, we're fighting for this because Israel wants it. Everything is an illusion. In exchange for releasing all the civilians, Hamas is asking for a brief pause. 
more humanitarian aid, fuel for hospitals, and the release of women and children in their prisons, adding that Israeli authorities had expressed uncertainty about releasing their prisoners. Of course, you know, prisoners over here, hostages over there. It's so silly. The point, though, is that they're expressing uncertainty. So either you want them back or not. Like, if your real point was we just want all of our people back, then you would, here's your people back. Let's exchange. But they want to execute some kind of manipulation here. We're going to give you one, and we want 40, you know, all of ours back for one person, you know, whatever, to act like their people are more important. All of these back and forth just show you they don't really want these people back. They would have accepted the first or the second or now the third offer. U.S. officials have broadly endorsed the notion of Israel pausing its attacks in Gaza for a hostage release, saying this would allow humanitarian aid to enter Gaza and the hostages to leave. But again, that's everything Israel has continued to not allow. On Friday, Blinken said in New Delhi, interestingly, where they just told us they want a world government, I'm telling, will continue to focus relentlessly on getting our hostages home. 30 days of nonstop round-the-clock round the bombing. I don't think U.S. cares either. The office of, of Benjamin Netanyahu declined to comment. Typical. Hamas has refused to release any of the military age Israeli men it's holding in Gaza, which well, those are prisoners of war. The same thing Israel's doing. One official said that a complicating factor was that Hamas told the Qatari negotiators that it held 20 or fewer civilians. So they're saying we only have 20. So, and the article seems to suggest that they're saying Palestinian Islamic Jihad has them. But what I think is more likely in all this situation is that they just didn't take that many civilians. Based on everything that we've seen, that seems to be seen the most likely. But again, we don't know for sure until this all fleshes out. But how much you want to bet it's going to become that they're just not meeting their end because they only give 20 civilians, even though that may only be what they have. In recent weeks, some Hamas officials have tried to argue that the group's fighters raided only military outposts in Israel on October 7th. But videos and other evidence show Hamas has also attacked civilians in their homes. But did they? I mean, there's a huge caveat here. If they're claiming we only went after military locations, and we also know that in average people from Gaza fled into this fence, which then means that anybody else could have individually done a number of things, or it literally could have been the IDF that carried this out. And the evidence we have of them attacking them at homes with this first-person camera shot could have been anybody. I think there's a lot unknown at this point, and I think a lot of the evidence suggests very clear foul play in regard to framing, lying, carrying out atrocities to blame the other side. Hamas officials are telling negotiators that they have all or almost all of the Israeli military personnel who were captured, numbering 130 to 140, but have no intention of releasing them soon. Israel officials have not released any breakdown of military versus civilian hostages. Now, here's what's interesting. If they're saying they have 130 military, but only 20 hostages, isn't that interesting? Because now we're talking about 150, 160 total. Now, does that mean that Israel is just upping those numbers to include all the people that they know they killed in the area location or elsewhere? Possibly. We should ask that question. And then once they don't come home, they just go, well, Hamas must have killed them. Well, again, these are a lot of hypotheticals and assumptions from people that have already been shown to be lying. Israeli officials have not released any breakdowns of military versus civilian hostages. Why is that? I think it's very obvious. Why not? Hamas released a small number of hostages in two rounds last month. By the way, as far as I can tell, none of which were really because of some kind of exchange. They offered something and they got nothing and Israel kept refusing. 
And everyone they released comes out and says they treated me kindly. I think that's probably why. Or because they come out and say, as we've already heard, they shot at hostages. One of an American mother and her daughter who have also have Israeli citizenship and another of two elderly Israeli women. Now, interestingly enough, you could ask whether or not it matters to these people who are only, if that's the case, trying to get military targets, whether or not they're Israeli citizens who might be in the IDF, because that would certainly make them military targets. But it says one earlier proposal for them to release about 50 hostages did not result in a deal. All right, my point, my point continually. They've already tried to release these people more than once, and they just keep turning it down, which I'm willing to bet you that happens again. So ask yourself why they didn't chose to release anybody. Again, I answered the question, I think, because it showed us something they don't want us to see. Even the hostages where the video came out where they were calling out Netanyahu, like the last one we just saw, this one, in fact, that they continue to call psychological warfare. Well, maybe, and surely it's benefiting them to show you what they're saying, but what were they saying? That they treated us kindly? That we're not in danger? Of course, they could be lying, but also that they're mad at Netanyahu for allowing this to happen. Which, by the way, you don't need Hamas to tell you that. Everyone in Israel is saying the same thing. Very telling. And the ones that said, stop bombing, you're going to kill us all. Clearly. I mean, there's, not a, you don't, there's no disputing that. They're indiscriminately bombing where they're held. It's pretty simple. U.S. and Israeli officials are deeply skeptical of various Hamas claims about the people held in Gaza, including the group's assertion that they, they do not hold many of the civilian captives, according to the officials briefed. So you see what I'm saying? They're already building this. Now, of course, Hamas could be lying. That's certainly also possible. But based on what we've already seen and how many lies have already been spun, it seems like they're setting up this to fail so they can claim Hamas didn't do their part when maybe they only have what they're claiming. The current proposal for the release of about 100 civilians was reported by a Washington Post columnist. Offers to release larger number of hostages have been floated before and have all been turned down. Why? Strategic interest. Not helping people that need to be helped, not saving people at all costs, but achieving their goals at the interest of your family members. And as I'll just include this so you guys can see it again, as I said many times. Here's the Washington Post article writing about exactly this, how they offered this and it got turned down. It matters, guys, because it shows you they care more about the agenda than the people. Now, last general segment here. I, I want to go over the major, the larger point about how, I mean, just the way Caitlin frames this article, the title in general, getting called a Nazi for opposing a genocide. Just think, just, just let that sit with you for a minute. No matter what you think is happening here, it's obviously a genocide that's being committed. Even if you think it's justified, even if you think, well, Hamas is doing it, you're still killing 10,000 plus people, 5,000 children, 50, 20, 200 doctors, 50 journalists. It's grotesque. And so we stand up not saying, oh, let's just take all of us because I definitely feel one side is being, you know, attacked more one side is in the legal right in regard to the occupation which i'm sure people then frame as me being biased which we all have them sure you can look at however you want i think i'm being guided by the facts but just taking anybody out there the average person who may not have a side at all who can still just stand back and go yes what's happening is wrong and is getting called a nazi is getting called isis getting called a terrorist supporter it's just i've never seen a more clear uh, obvious transparent example of how this is not actually about helping anybody. I mean, this might as well be about any other thing you've seen in the past where they just frame it the exact opposite. 
killing. I mean, any, any number of things you could put in your head right now where you're watching an obvious attack on people and they just go, it's their fault because whatever narrative. I don't think people buy this. And here's a great clip. She, the, the, she titles this, Zionists who are not Jews are accusing pro-Palestine Jews that they are not Jews. We've already seen this, guys. We've seen Ben Shapiro. We've seen a lot of people. Somehow accusing, acting like, well, if you don't agree with me on this topic, well, you're not Jewish. Which what that really means, because that's a ridiculous statement. You can be a Jew or a Christian and not hold the same perfectly aligned political beliefs. What it really does show you is this is what Zionists believe. And Zionists are not actually, as they're not actually preaching Judaism. They are manipulating the religion to manipulate Jews, per plenty of Orthodox Jews around the world who actively call that out. Torah Judaism being a great account calling this out, but there's a lot of them. And I think historically you can prove this. It is not a religion. It is a political entity that was given control over Palestine because of the Balfour Declaration. And since then has gone over to carry out some of the most horrendous terrorist attacks, including the Nakba itself. So now, if you stand up and challenge these agendas, like many of the Orthodox Jews in Israel, what do they do? They beat you up. So how does that make sense? It doesn't. And that's why they don't talk about those parts of it. They act like this is everybody against Jews, but it's not. That's why we're going to show you next a whole lot of Jewish organizations who are screaming for ceasefire, calling Israel out. And what do they do? They say, you're not a Jew. Which should really, more so than anything, make the person making that accusation look bad. Expose what they actually are. Bigoted, racist, disrespectful. Okay. Zionists have been telling me, as an anti-Zionist Jew, that I'm not actually Jewish. That me protesting against what Israel is doing to Palestine, Israel's ongoing apartheid regime, their slow genocide of Palestinians, that my resistance to that Zionist project is not Jewish. That I'm somehow being a bad Jew. And I, as not only a Jew, but an academic and someone who questions, as is central to the spirit of Judaism, I'm here to counter that perspective using material that I'm finding from JewFAQ.org, their Judaism 101, a list of the 613 mitzvah or commandments. These commandments are taken from a list of 613 mitzvah compiled by Rambam in the Mishnah Torah. Here I'm focusing just on items 26 through 39 of this list. This is the section on love and brotherhood. Item 26 is to love all human beings who are of the covenant. The covenant is an understanding that there is one God. Whether you call that God, God or Allah, it doesn't really matter. We collectively understand that there is one God. This means that we should love all human beings who share that belief, including Muslims. Item 27, not to stand by idly when a human life is in danger. Human lives, civilian lives are being targeted in Gaza right now. Item 28, not to wrong anyone in speech not to use biased language like calling all Gazans terrorists, for example. Now, all of these things are only being presented as what a Jew should do or Judaism or the right Israeli minds because of Zionism. That's the point. What she's reading from is, is Jewish doctrine or rather just, you know, tenets of Judaism from a Orthodox Jewish position. Or I guess not even necessarily Orthodox, but just an actual Judaism perspective, not Zionism filtering the religion through what they want to achieve or the other way around, actually. But just the point being, you 
this is why plenty of Jewish organizations and Jews around the world are standing up and calling this stuff out. And this is why I get so frustrated when people continue to pretend like Jewish people are in fact the problem in all of this. Because you're being played just like any other circle. The Zionist manipulation over Judaism is very similar to how we have some, the, many different aspects of control over Christianity or control over Muslims or you know the war on terror, for example. Saudi Arabia and Israel and the United States using the manipulation of the religion itself to make you think that they're all terrorists. Like This is what they do. It's everywhere. It doesn't necessarily mean that every person who is not part of these groups are therefore then, you know, tr- angelic and, and, and tranquil, but it ultimately does mean that these people are less guided by the political orientations of these religions as opposed to the actual tenets of the religions, which in my opinion are far more about peace and empathy and understanding. But you can look in any of these religions in the classic doc, you know, and find terrible things. Look at the Bible, look at the Quran, look at the, the, you know, either the Talmud or, you know, whatever you could look at every one of them and find things that would probably make you shocked the Bible included, that we don't act like are just common things. We go, oh, it's an old thing. And it's in every one of them. Now, there was a video that I was going to play yesterday and I didn't get to, but I'm not going to include it today because I didn't plan to. But I really do think it's a powerful video. This where he, this person goes over the different religions and how ultimately they should be and how compatible they truly are when not blinded by the politics around it all like this. But I will get to that. It's a good, I think it's an important video that plenty of people thought was naive or blinded by, you know, and I think it's because they each have an individual lens over one of these things that makes them think they're the bad one. You know, well, well, Muslim, the religions are, you know, are all the bad terrorists of the world. It's just, it's just gross ignorance. It truly is. Item 29, not to carry tales. Tail bearing refers to spreading malicious gossip or false gossip, like claiming that all Gazans either support or are part of Hamas. Commandment 30, Mitzvah 30, not to cherish hatred in one's heart. This comes back to the love of brotherhood. Muslims are our cousins. Item 31, not to take revenge. Item 32, not to bear a grudge. Item 33, not to put any Jew to shame. I feel deeply shamed, as do most anti-Zionist Jews, over the genocidal actions that Israel is currently taking against Palestine. There is no humanitarian excuse for carpet bombing civilians, for bombing the entrances to hospitals, for bombing medical envoys as they are transporting people to get treatment. So, so here's my point, guys. You know, right? Where I mean, even in the chat, we were talking about how, like, Zionism, in my opinion, when I mean, you can disagree, is is using Judaism. When I say that, I mean it in the sense that they are in, in most of the higher, I argue there's plenty of Zionists that may not believe, understand that, like in any manipulated situation, but I do believe that most of them aren't even necessarily believing of the religion. It's about using this to achieve their ends. But that, so my point is, as you're listening to this person speak, it must be clear that this is not because it doesn't imply that Judaism itself is why Zionists are the way they are, but the reverse. You could just as easily put that entity over the top of any other religion and use it the same way. That's what I'm trying to, you could disagree with me all you want, but the point is that's the, the picture I'm trying to present. And I truly believe that's what's happening here. This is shameful. Item 34, not to curse any of the other Jewish people. Notice, I'm not saying Jews are doing X, Y, and Z. I'm talking about the political mission of Zionism and the Israeli state. 
Item 35, not giving occasion for another to stumble. This includes doing anything that will cause some other person to sin, whether that is spreading misinformation, spreading hatred, speaking badly about another group of people, condemning another group of people, or trying to reap vengeance. Item 36 of these mitzvah command us to rebuke the sinner, to tell the person who is doing harm, who is seeking vengeance, who is doing violence, who is harming their brother to stop that is not Jewish, that is not in the spirit of Judaism. Item 37 on this list of mitzvah of commandments is to relieve a neighbor of his burden and help to unload his beast. To relieve a neighbor of his burden. This means sharing resources with Palestine, sharing land, allowing them to return to their orchards, to their groves, to the space that was theirs, relieving them of their burden, no longer causing them harm, paying reparations, doing what is just, what is Jewish in spirit and principle. Item 38, to assist in replacing the load upon a neighbor's beast. If they lose something, if they are denied something, to make up the difference, to be generous, to be humble, to provide assistance, this is part of tikkun olam. This is part of our mission to heal the world. This is part of the Jewish ethos is to help others to bear a burden. Palestinians have been bearing a burden. They have been victims of apartheid. They are currently victims of genocide. It is our job as good Jews to help alleviate that harm, that pain, those generations of trauma that have been reaped upon them. And item 39, and I am getting emotional as I talk about this, is not to leave a beast that has fallen down beneath its burden unaided. You aid a being that is harmed. You support and provide love and medical care and equipment to people who are being punished or violated. We should not be bombing the entrances to hospitals. We should be providing medical care and equipment. All roads should be open to provide humanitarian aid. This is Jewish. This is what it is to be Jewish, to understand what our mitzvah are, what our commandments are, and to behave in alignment. Don't come for me and tell me that I'm being a bad Jew by saying Israel is doing evil. Israel is not being Jewish. Israel is not behaving in the spirit of our ancestors, of our founders, of our rabbis. I will say that loudly. I will say it with my whole chest. We should be Jewish. It's because Israel is not a Jewish state. It is a Zionist state. And that's the point. Now, I guarantee people will disagree. Everyone's got their chosen perspective. But my point is, if you believe that that person right there, like if you believe that, you know, Judaism is the root of all evil, is that person lying? Are they misunderstanding how they're supposed to be acting? Either my, my point ultimately is that it's about the people who guide others. And ultimately, I think most, in my opinion, for the average person, religion, when engaged with in the sense that I think is not being politicized or manipulated, ultimately guides people to the concept of empathy and understanding and compassion. And of course, I could be wrong, but I believe that. I believe I see that in other people that act a certain, but I, like my point is all of the problems that come through these things come from the institutional manipulation from the top down. And I'll leave it there. I think that's important. And I just want people to see past how we're hating each other based on the manipulations of presentations of these things projected by powerful people that frankly don't even care about them. Now, here is Christina Buttons pointing out Sam Harris. He apparently skillfully eviscerates the both sides argument. I'm like, what, what do you even mean by that? 
that there's not two sides? So there's not a war then? What are we even talking about? Obviously, there are like what they're ultimately saying is there are no innocent people on one side of this discussion. How has that ever been? I mean, how have we gotten to a place where people are presenting that as logic? I'm telling you, I mean, Sam Harris is either just not as smart as he presented himself as, or he is, I mean, even with the COVID-19 thing, man, I mean, this guy maybe just isn't as smart as he pretends to be. I don't know. But I'll tell you right now, this, this clip is ridiculous. And it ultimately ends up showing you that, I mean, if I remember exactly how I, I've listened to this before, the only once actually once through, is that it's, it's really just that if you think this, if you think that they matter, you're, you must be a racist against Israel. It's just such a minimizing and obtuse breakdown. Between anti-Semitism and generic moral stupidity. Generic moral stupidity. So those, those are, that's your binary breakdown. You're anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic, or you're a stupid person. It's a little hard to discern. Okay, and I'm not sure it's always important to find it. All right, technically not the, ba- the either-or situation, but I just love the beginning of this. You know, the idea... Of what? How do you stupidity, say it? Semitism and generic moral stupidity. And ge- gener- generic moral stupidity. What an interesting thing to say. So what that ultimately creates is the dynamic where you could be a you know have a compassionate moral stance, but you're just it's stu- it's really you're you're being an idiot. You're being stupid. You're allowing your I guess your compassion to blind you from what's supposed to be happening. Like I find that really hard to wrap my mind around. The idea that. Anybody who has compassion or is trying at the very least, even if they're not, to be morally sound is a good thing in any circumstance. It's a little hard to discern, okay? And I'm not sure it's always important to find it. I'm not sure it matters why a person can't distinguish between collateral damage in a necessary war and (laughs) conscious acts of genocidal sadism that are celebrated as religious sacrament by a death cult. Of course, he's only talking about Hamas as a death cult, first of all, which I guess he omits the provable information that Netanyahu himself has stated that they created this group, or Avin Cohen to the Wall Street Journal, or WikiLeaks, or any number of provable evidence that they literally owned and funded them right up until 2019. I guess that doesn't matter for this conversation. But th- think about the binary breakdown of this, the way you describe it. And conscious acts of genocidal... I'm not sure it matters. So, so collateral damage. Why a person can't distinguish between collateral damage in a necessary war. In a necessary war. So Sam is arguing that indiscriminately bombing 2.5 million people, half of which are children, killing 4,500 children, 200 doctors, 50 journalists, bombing UN locations is collateral damage. I mean, I, I mean, I don't need to even go further. How in the world does somebody either, he's either that blinded by this conversation and is either dismissing all of this, like with COVID stuff, or hasn't even seen it and is yet willing to stand up and make some kind of scathing moral comparison about how you don't understand. Guys, they're bombing UN facilities. They've not denied it. They're not claiming Hamas is there. So explain for me, Sam, where that's collateral damage. Explain for me where 100 UN staff members are collateral damage or the hospitals that were bombed and they denied but then admitted to or the mosques or the schools or the ambulances or everything that's happening there or bombing them as they go to the locations you tell them to go to or any number of things we've already covered. My point is this is simple to easily show that this binary idea that it's good versus evil is just not true. At best, 
They're both evil. If you want to look at it that way, but the reality is much more complicated. I don't think anything's good and evil in this sense. I think we're dealing with people. I mean, in this, in the dynamic of just people fighting wars, the people leading them, I think there is a very clear element of evil. I just don't know why people can't see right through this. I, maybe they do. Remember the person frames, it says the, the scathing, what'd she say? The, uh, the, skillfully eviscerates the both sides argument. And conscious acts of genocidal sadism that are celebrated as religious sacrament by a death cult. Our streets have been filled with people literally tripping over themselves in their eagerness to demonstrate that they cannot distinguish between those who intentionally kill babies and those who inadvertently kill them. Okay, so literally he means in this very simplistic breakdown that every single child that was killed in, his, in Gaza was an, in, an accidental killing. Okay, 4,500 oopses. Okay, got it. And then the other side of it is you're claiming... Literally tripping over themselves. That every single person's protesting for free Palestine are all supporting murdering babies in, on purpose. Even though, by the way, I think we've only proven that there was one child that was four years old and the rest of them were older, per Haaretz information. But yeah, keep towing that beheaded babies line, Sam. Think about how ridiculously obtuse this is. So now every person supporting Palestine is supporting terrorism? Is he actually arguing that every person in Palestine is a terrorist? Are we literally going back to this absurdity? Apparently so. In their eagerness to demonstrate that they cannot distinguish between those who intentionally kill babies and those who inadvertently kill them, having taken great pains to avoid killing them. Oh, so that, that's what Israel's doing. Taking great pains to not bomb UN institutions or inst inst UN locations, to not bomb schools and hospitals, to not bomb 100 UN staff members or 200 doctors or 50 journalists. Taking great pains, Sam says. Guys, this should ruin his entire reputation if he hasn't already done that with the absurdities from COVID-19. While defending themselves against the very people who have just intentionally tortured and killed innocent men, women, and yes, babies. Nope. Sorry, Sam. You're wrong. And that's already been proven to be wrong. But my point is, even on top of that, are we, are we not considering the occupation or the fact that legally fighting is protected under the Geneva Conventions or going into the actual crimes that were committed. Torturing? What? Give me an example where we've proven that they tortured people. You mean the things they showed you with burned bodies where we now prove those were actually hellfire missiles? Like, either this guy is actually on a certain side here and does not care about the facts, or he is actually not that smart. I quite frankly don't, th I don't think he's stupid, but you can decide that for yourself. And who are committed to doing this again at any opportunity and who are using their own innocent non-combatants as human shields. Ah, and there it is, right? This is just, let's just break out the Israeli talking point page. You mean the human shield that we have proven the UN has found no evidence for, or they have yet to show you one example of that today, even though we literally just caught Israel yesterday doing that with a Palestinian? Like, I, I don't even need to keep going further, guys. This is embarrassing. I'm not even trying to stand here and act like I'm smarter than Sam. I don't, you guys can decide for yourself who has intelligence and who doesn't. What this shows me is he's either not as smart as he's always pretended he is, or he is willing to lie, or is willing to omit facts or ignore them because of some other in influence I don't know. But sure as hell is not eviscerating anything. He's just towing lines. These are This is straight out of the talking points, right? And so my point is, what he ultimately gets at is you're either just disgusting, racist, ignorant person, or you're pro-Israel.
And that's what we're dealing with here. Here is the wildly ridiculous Laura Loomer saying, breaking. This, by the way, this is from the October 18th part. This is the same thing that happened in the Capitol. I just want to bring this back up because I hadn't seen her talking point on it. She says there are, and think about how embarrassing this is for somebody who is screaming about the January 6th not being an insurrection, which it wasn't, by the way. We can all prove that. But just constantly going after that story. Of course, you know, taking other people's work to talk about the involvement of the Azov movement and lying about her breaking these stories. But ultimately, the main point, really trying to call out the fact that January 6th was an operation, was not an insurrection. Nobody was even armed. Right? So that should matter, right? Facts matter, right, Laura? Then all of a sudden, you've got Jewish, uh, Jews for Peace, I think is the name of the group, deciding to protest for a ceasefire. That's what this is. We covered this. Remember, this was the story where Ben Shapiro called them useful idiots for Hamas and called them trash. Trash. Where I said, Ben Shapiro attacks and denigrates the Jews protesting below who dare to simply call for a ceasefire. Right? So who exactly is attacking Jews here, Ben? I'm not. I'm actually, I'm fighting for anybody out there who's being attacked by people like you or people that are bombing innocent people or people that are raiding areas and taking civilians and any side of this. I care about civilians. You clearly do not if they disagree with you. So here's what she says. There is currently an actual, this remember, October 18th, actual pro-Hamas, no it's not, it's Palestinian, pro-Palestine ceasefire. Most of these people when actually asked do not support Hamas. But of course, Laura doesn't care about the facts. She cares about the story to get her relevancy increased because it's constantly going down. Insurrection. An actual, she says, pro-Hamas insurrection. So my guy, my guys, this is what I'm always talking about. If you're going to stand there and act like using that word inappropriately is despicable and then literally do the same thing back, you are knowingly part of the manipulation. It's, it, or at the very least, just too stupid to know that you're you you're literally doing the same thing that you accused everybody else of doing. Call, but whether pro Hamas or not, does that look like an insurrection to you? It's just embarrassing inside the U.S. Capitol in D.C., where pro terror rioters that's that's what we're looking at pro terror rioters are disrupting official proceedings. These people are a joke. We should all laugh at how ridiculous these people are. And I really believe people are starting to see this stuff by attacking Israel's right to defend itself. Does that look like they're attacking their right to defend themselves? Or the Israel? I mean, it's just embarrassing. This is who Laura Loomer is. It's not just with Israel. People like this who are willing to clownishly frame this in such an aggressive way to achieve it for somebody. This doesn't benefit her. Clearly, it hurts her. It benefits Israel and Zionism which is what I've told you, which is why she very clumsily omitted the Israel overlap in what was going on in Ukraine or the funding of the Azov movement directly from Israel and through people like Zelensky and Kolomoisky and so on. Absolutely left that part out. I wonder why. She says, when is the FBI going to raid their homes and send them to jail? Now, you could easily try to pretend that she's trying to play that this is you know what they did, but that's not, she is, this is what they're calling for. Right, This is meant to go, that's what they did to them, so do it back. Well, if you want it to happen back, you're just as stupid as the people calling for others to be censored after they just went on a rail about how people shouldn't be censored. Showing you that you don't really care about these things, you just want to win. But that's the point. 
this is my point about showing you that this is not just some kind of a joke. Well, this is a parody account, but I'll remember this for the rest of my life. And the reason I've included this is because Marjorie Taylor Greene, the actual one, was there while this was happening and called it an insurrection. These people are ridiculous. And in my point, even Ben Shapiro. Again, these are, these are Jews. This is an entire group of Jews calling for peace. And what do they call them? Pro-terror! Pro-Hamas! And these are the groups they're claiming are accosting people and, and hunting down the Jews in all of these schools. Guys, quite frankly, I don't believe that. Because you can see these people that are out there attacking anybody for being anti-Semitic who are then literally attacking Jews for they have a different opinion. I mean, it's, it's almost cartoonish. Well, here's another one of these examples. My point in this showing you this one in particular is the, the moment that they, the argument is outside of their control. To where you're being confronted with an obvious moral reality and your argument becomes, you're a racist. What do you just hate Jews? That's what's happening. And it's crazy because all he really does is make an obvious point that's rooted in facts. And she goes on for two minutes to call him a Jew hater. I mean, that it really devolves into the most absurdity. This is happening everywhere. A ceasefire would benefit because the concern is by those who are not calling for a ceasefire, including Keir Starmer and the, the, the prime minister of the conservative government as well, is that actually a ceasefire only benefits Hamas who can rearm, uh, reorganize themselves and then can continue uh, their uh, attacks on the Israeli uh, civilian people. Where exactly are they going to get all this stuff from, seeing as how they're inside an open air prison? Again, a shocking lack of understanding or a willful lie- towing of lines to, for a certain narrative. They will end up in the same place they were, especially since this has become even more controlled since this happened. Conservative government as well is that actually a ceasefire only benefits Hamas who can rearm, uh, reorganize themselves, and then can continue uh, their uh, attacks on the Israeli uh, civilian people. Do you think that <laughs> actually a ceasefire right? will in any way benefit the ordinary people of Gaza, ordinary civilians, including children? Obviously. Well, they're being massacred on a daily basis, Julia, at the moment. So, of course, a ceasefire would be beneficial to the people living in Gaza, which is, let's remember, which is, let's remember, is a concentration camp. It's not a concentration camp. Well, I'm sorry, Julia. How dare you use that phrase? How dare you? Moral outrage. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Are Palestinians Palestinians working gas chambers in Gaza? Julia, what is the definition of a concentration camp? Doesn't know. I, I'm just so appalled. People are penned in. They you are not seem like to a normal person. Nobody is allowed you seem to go like a normal person with Gaza. normal values. They have a fence around them. And they are oppressed. Seem... They are daily. They are regularly bombarded by the Israeli regime. It, what an absolute outrage! And how you can defend a regime which is behaving worse than Nazis, actually, in some worse respect. Than... Okay, so here, you, she is losing the argument. She knows it, so she she ships into you're a racist. Now, before we even continue, let's make sure you understand this. Think about how absurd this is. A concentration camp is not some unique sentiment to only Germany and Nazi Germany. It has a definition. A camp where persons are confined, just like Gaza, usually without hearings and typically under harsh conditions, just like Gaza, often as a result of their membership in a group, just like Gaza, the government identified as a suspect, or being a Palestinian in this case. A place or situation characterized by extreme harsh conditions. That's it, guys. It doesn't have to be gas chambers and Nazis. These people are infants 
like intellectual infants. It blows my mind that they're in these positions. So her, her, her decision is to go moral outrage because he, he literally calls it what it is. Now, even if that was the wrong, even if it wasn't what was happening in Gaza, for you, for the other person to immediately tie this in with the Nazi Germany outrage conversation, they're being prepped, primed for this. That's why the whole story is, it's only about attacking Jews. More than Jews live in Israel, guys. It's just, it's just so incredible that they, they, they are the ones making it only about one thing and yet calling us racist. So watch the way this spins out. It's, it's incredible. They have a fence around them. They are oppressed. They are daily. They are regularly bombarded by the Israeli regime. What an absolute outrage! And how you can defend a regime which is behaving worse than Nazis, actually, in some respects. Worse than Nazis. There we go. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, according to people that were literally. I mean, look, we saw this during COVID nineteen. It outraged them the same. People that were literally there were saying this is worse. You've seen the same thing here. You've got Jews standing up. You've got people that were alive in that time frame saying what they're doing is unacceptable and worse than what I dealt with. And on top of that, you've got people that are saying, I lived through this, so this is why I won't let it happen again and standing on the side of Gaza and Palestine. But people like her are clearly ready to go to pull out the racist card to stop people from like him from very clearly painting exactly what's happening with exactly the facts that apply to it. Because what we are seeing, Chris, thousands of children are being murdered by this Israeli Chris, why regime. Don't we, why don't we just Over say, Todd, why don't you just come on this when, show when and just humanity. shout, I hate Jewish people, and wow. save every one time? Well, what do you say about the Jewish people then that have joined the rallies in right. some marches in support of a ceasefire, in support of the Palestinian people? What do you say about them, Julia? Because there are thousands of Jews who are utterly opposed. There are thousands, to the tens of thousands of Jews in this country who are terrified about what is happening. Because what does that what does that even mean? You know why there many of them are terrified? It's because they're being told things that you're lying about, or things that you're spinning this narrative that they're all about to be attacked by some nebulous problem that does not exist in the context that they're giving. I'm not saying that there's not racism. I'm not saying there's not people that would go and carry out attacks of violence against people they don't like. That's always been there. But there is not some building problem in regard to specifically attacks against Jews in reg- because of this circumstance. In fact, I can quite frankly prove to you in real time that what you're seeing is an overwhelming amount of attacks on Muslims, Arabs, as well as any Jew that challenges that there should be a, or that goes against the narrative on what's happening here. So it's very interesting how you guys are making it only about one entity and calling us racist for defending Jews, Muslims, Arabs, or anybody else that's being attacked for simply caring about Palestinian lives. I mean, it's, it's, I don't quite, in my opinion, it's very clear to me that she realized that she had lost the argument. Why don't you just come on and say, I hate Jews? I mean, think about how stupid that is. I mean, that is lowbrow, lowest common denominator. And of course he says, I don't. So is he lying then? You're, so you know, Julia, that he hates Jews and just even though he said no and even though he's st- literally going, I'm standing with these Jews right here, that you're still going, you're a liar, you hate Jews. So at what point do you know this? Where are the facts coming from, Julia? The point is you lost the argument and so you revert to the lowest common denominator. People like you who are basically... ...marches in support of a ceasefire in support of the Palestinian people. What do you say about them, Julia? Because there are thousands of Jews 
who are utterly opposed there are thousands to the tens of thousands of jews in this country who are terrified about what is happening because of people like you who are basically it's saying nonsense. you support terrorist organizations wow. that don't nonsense. think that are israel or the jewish people the have terrorist. a right to Julia. exist where did he even say any of that this is some argument that the Israeli government is floating for anybody that says ceasefire. Now, he may think all of that. I don't know, and neither does she. It's clear that he doesn't. He's pushing back on all of it. But just this is all they get. It's embarrassing, and everybody should call this out for what it is. I mean, it's childish. Terrorist organization is the Israeli regime. They are the terrorists. They're a democratically elected government. The <laughs> They're a democratically elected the government. Palestine. They are not a They're prescribed not terrorist organization, which Hamas is. People, by the way, so is, is Iran's a democratic elected government. So is Syria. So is a lot of these places. But they don't call those Democrat. They call them terrorists. So clearly that's not a metric that applies. It's just whoever you don't like. But the bottom line is Israel's government is carrying out terrorist acts right now. It's very clear. Based on every metric, international law, and no matter how you spin this, they just don't like that. It makes them uncomfortable. Palestinians living in Israel have not got a vote, so don't give me that nonsense Sorry. about. There are the, plenty of Arab. No, no, if you're Pal if you're not an Israeli national, and there are plenty of Arab Israelis who are, you do have a vote no, in Israel. It's not true. We've. I would see. This is shockingly ignorant. The people who are in the West Bank. The people, I mean, even they literally just made this clear that in, in the new, especially with the new judicial reforms and where this goes, it's very clear that's not true. It is the Jew, the state for the Jews alone, according to Netanyahu himself. She either doesn't know that, which is probably where this lies, because she's just same thing, you know, whatever someone tells her they're supposed to listen to. But she's wrong, guys. And we know this. This I think most people actually know this today. Well, I'm sorry, Julia, you need to actually look that there are right. Tens of thousands, if not millions, of uh, Palestinians living in the area outside of the uh, uh, outside of uh, Gaza who do not have a vote, and indeed, it's an absolutely apartheid regime. There's no doubt about it's an apartheid that. Apartheid regime. I mean, it's, it's not an apartheid regime. I mean, <laughs> goodness me. In Salaam what way is Israel is not an apartheid regime? And there is really, nothing you can. I hold mean, on a minute. Just which is think about her. She is righteous indignation. Such nonsense. How can you even say it's an apartheid regime? I mean, that, that's just absolute nonsense, right? Isn't that just absolute nonsense, guys? That it's, a, that it's an apartheid regime? Like Amnesty totally doesn't say that it's an apartheid regime right there. And I'm not saying we, it is because they say that. But what I'm telling you is that every single group that's ever been pointed to in the past that we're supposed to look to to define these things has very clearly said that Israel is an apartheid regime, including Betselem, the Israeli international group. But think about, I, I actually think she doesn't know that. I literally think that this leading media personality is so outraged that he would point out what we, is a provable fact. The UN, Amnesty, Human Rights Watch, Betselem, everybody. It is an apartheid state. I mean, how about we just, I've already, well, you know, I was going to play the Avi clip again, but it's, we're about to wrap in general for time. But, you know, Avi Shalom is a very, very prominent British-Israeli historian who is very clear. It's obviously an apartheid state. But it's just, it's, isn't it just kind of grotesque the way that they're acting about this? Well, here is we're going to get into this game that's being played, in my opinion. I do not think the way it's being framed is happening. And the only reason I say that is because it certainly could. People can act in hate regardless of whether there's a justification for it. I don't mean that, that it should be, I mean, just in the sense that regardless of what's going on, people will act in hate. 
But in regard to the schools and, you know, blocking people in their home, I haven't seen any evidence of that. And so shouldn't it matter, just like with the Israeli conversation as a journalist, that we verify these things? All we see so far is a letter that came from students at MIT that says that they were blocked, says that they were being held in and they weren't allowed to leave. And then you get things like this. This guy who's been pumping out some of the most obvious propaganda, many of much of which has been proven to be false. This isn't 1930 Europe, it's 2023 London. They just can't stop bringing this back to some kind of World War II analogy. Even though the who's committing genocide right now is blatantly obvious. He says, my non-Jewish friends are telling me to hide at home. Okay, great. So people that aren't Jewish who are calling you are telling you to hide. And somehow that proves something? I mean, see, and we get these fake WhatsApp images, I think. Or just here, regardless of whether these are fake, which we've already seen him caught lying about stuff, or they're just people saying stuff. Just heard some Palestinian protesters saying they're looking for Jews. Don't leave your house today. Look, straight up, I don't believe that. I do not believe, one, that that was said, or two, that that's even real. But that's personally just my opinion. I rarely even do that, by the way. But this, I'm going to show you next. The idea that they're protesters hunting for Jews. I don't believe that. I think that's obnoxiously. Uh, it, uh, there's so many examples. And my the real point is that what they're pointing at are these main groups. They're actually pointing at these protests, which are being led by groups like Jews for Peace. And this person says, fearmonger. Thousands of Jewish protesters side by side with Muslims now around the world. And that's the point. Every one of these locations, including the ones he's pointing at, are lying, are side by side, just like this, with Jews. And yet they're going to be hunting down Jews. Explain how that makes sense to me. I am here on behalf of hundreds of thousands of American Jews who say not in our name. Cease fire now. Let Gaza live. Say with me. Let Gaza Because the day that my Bubba, my grandmother's entire family was massacred in a genocide, she just happened to be absent. And so I spent years and years agonizing over the question of where were the neighbors? Why did they just stand by? Right. And so it is with all of my Jewish ancestors at my back, the one who survived and all those who didn't, that we say now more profoundly than ever before, we refuse to be neighbors who just stand by. They, and Shapiro and, and all the rest of them, they're, they're calling these people trash, useful idiots, terrorists. I think we all know which side the, you know, the moral line is here at this point and recognize that the people who are calling them trash are absolutely okay with committing genocide. Organizing right now the largest demonstrations of Jewish people in solidarity with Palestinian people in history. Because while they say it is these people or it is those people, we know what is true, what has always been true and what will always be true, that it is all of us or none of us. Or more aptly, in my opinion, it is us versus them in regard to the people controlling our lives. 
They're always trying to pit us against each other. We're Jew versus Christian or Muslim versus Jew or Muslim versus Christian or just neighbor versus neighbor or country versus country. These people are constantly trying to pit us against each other. So we don't recognize that they're the ones controlling our lives. They're the ones stepping on your neck and telling you that that person did it. That guy did that color person, that religion. It's their fault. So give us money. Give us weapons. Let us invade in your name. It's, and, and it's always based on lies, just like this. Natalie Winters, you know, not surprisingly, works for the Bannon War Room. I just unintentionally walked through the National March for Free Palestine in D.C. Unintentionally, right. And I know people that were there, okay? It says, these people are so radical and militant. Not true. I truly feel like I'm in a, not in America anymore. It's not just blatant anti-Semitism. It's straight up anti-Americanism. It's such a lie. She says, I also saw a bunch of people wearing abolish ice hats and calling for global socialism and liberation. Like, guys, this is the same thing that happened during COVID. It's from my perspective, and I've done a lot of looking into this. It is a, no, a bipartisan, rather nonpartisan issue, just like anything that matters, because they're always trying to jam this into a divide. There's just as many people on the right as there are on the left, in my opinion, or people that actually are intelligent enough to see through both sides that see that this is not a left-right issue. This is not about, that's what she's trying to do right there, right? It's all those liberal, abolish ice. It's just so ridiculous. And by the way, there is plenty of right-leaning people that are fighting for global entities, just not calling it socialism, right? It's just so many games being played. But it says, it says, not sure which is more dangerous. Well, I'll tell you what's more dangerous. Government. Right? Which is funny. Liberation is apparently now dangerous. <laughs> it's just, these people are losing their grasp on reality, man. Socialism, democracy, communism, all of it. It's government that can control at the top and dictate what you can do with your life. History shows us that. There's just always one side calling one the bad guy, and the other side calling the other the bad guy. What do you know? Divide and conquer amazing we can't see it by now i surely felt out of place she says because i wasn't wearing a hijab or really like you're gonna so all the jews that were there which we can prove she's lying guys this is a narrative spin for that reason i didn't take any pictures but all i can say is pray for america so let me ask you this why does it make you uncomfortable they're wearing hijabs because you're so ignorantly making that about terrorism that's why it's just gross all of this is disgusting and the main point is Oh, and this good, good, good on high impact flicks for pointing this out. He says, well, I'm sure you took your cell phone with you. Looking forward to the video evidence, which backs your assertion, Natalie. Oh, what's that? Don't have any footage. Shocking. Well, importantly, just a thought says I was there. You're lying. I mean, these are, I don't, you don't need to know this person to know that there was a lot of people there from all over the country. Some of which I know. And the reality being that you can just look up. There's a million videos online. Look them up. They're all Palestinian flags and they're all fighting for ceasefire. But people like this are desperate to make you think that they're all a bunch of raving terrorists that are just trying to rape your women or whatever kind of gross argument. I mean, might as well be back in Jim Crow America, right? That's the same thing we're talking about. It's just a broad stroke, bland statement about all one people as one thing because it suits your interests, Natalie. Well, here is one of these protests that are apparently all Jew-hating Muslims. No, it's thousands of Jews marching to, to for ceasefire now, along with a lot of other people. But the point is, this is specifically that group, Jewish, I was it say right there. I'll, I'll just play it for you. Oh, and never mind. There's no real audio on this. It's just 
chanting. But it says, ceasefire now. UK Jews demand stop the genocide and the siege. Look, in, from what I can tell, it seems to be the majority, guys, of pretty much everybody. Other than the narrative controllers, like we keep mentioning, or the governments that are involved in this. That's how simple this seems to me right now. Here, Alex Kane is pointing out, that gets into this latter point about the schools. Columbia University is suspending students for justice. Think of that. Now, just because the name sounds like it doesn't mean they, you know, they, people call themselves names all the time that align with what they actually do. But in this case, I believe we're talking about exactly what that sounds like. Or... Oh, what? Sorry, I forgot the last part, of course, the important part. Students for justice in Palestine. So now, because Palestine equals Hamas and terrorism, because that's how stupid this has become, they're suspending them. Or literally, Jewish Voice for Peace. That's the name. So you have a group called Jewish Voice for Peace, and you're suspending them? Like, how does that even logically make sense in this narrative that it's all about attacking Jews? Well, as his official student groups, uh, or just and they 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 basically suspended their groups till the end of the year. Now here is where this gets really stupid. This is Fox News calling all these anti-Israel, which is just again, it's a blind. It's about hatred. They're the ones making this about hatred. This group is calling for a ceasefire. Great, and this is this person framing it as Glenn Greenwald has absolutely lost his mind over the pro-Palestinians being they as they write caught engaging in more than free speech. Oh, is are they caught? Because Fox News reads a statement about what other people said was happening. I'm telling you, there are some really dumb people out there presenting themselves as journalists. They have seen many of these anti-Israel protests. Just now, the university has... Pro-Palestine is all we're talking about. ...announced that they are suspending two student groups. One is called Students for Justice in Palestine and the other Jewish Voice for Peace, which is a Palestinian advocacy group. Jewish Voices for Peace. Now, this school is writing the group's, quote, repeatedly violated university policy relating to holding campus events. Okay, so, so far, they violated a school policy, which be, the only thing is they're not allowed to have Palestinian protests. There's no free speech. There's no, but they're trying to make this out to be some kind of violent action. Right. And I don't see a Hamas flag anywhere. It says free Palestine. And that culminated in an unauthorized event on Thursday that proceeded despite warnings and included threatening rhetoric and intimidation. So okay, that's all you have to go on. Fox News in some secondhand report claiming that they included threats and, and, and violent and, and what you say, threats and what? Rhetoric Intimi and, and intimidation. Again, it's just my opinion based on research, but it's my opinion. I straight up don't think that happened unless it's them saying free Palestine and they stand there and go, I'm threatened by that. Like we've seen in every other circumstance. Oh, excuse me, mister. I'm called ma'am. I'm so threatened that I even know you. I don't even know who you are. Like it's just, the, the, obviously I'm mentioning the trans conversation. We've seen this kind of thing, right? Or with COVID-19 simply by saying that I don't think that thing's safe. Suddenly I'm threatening your children. Let's not take, let's take a second to recognize the same old tired games. These are people calling for a ceasefire and you've got groups of Jewish people that are pro-Zionist acting like they're cowering in their rooms because they're all about to kill them. Or you've got people acting like they're threatening with intimidation when all they're really saying is, we want free, free Palestine. And they go, that means the end of Israel. You hate Jews. You're attacking us. 
seriously think that's what's happening. Intimidation. So this is uh, the first real example we've seen on the part of a major American university, an Ivy League school. Yeah, shutting down free speech. That's what's happening. You're not allowed to be pro-Palestine. So, and they went out anyway. And they go, well, now you're breaking the rules. So what they really did was stand up for free speech. That is pushing back against these groups. A major development. There, there could be a lot of reasons why back. we are seeing this this afternoon. God, these groups are just so one-sided. Both CNN and Fox News, they're the same damn thing, guys. Pushing back. That's it's very clear rhetoric meant to imply that they're, doing, they're the ones doing something. And the, the community had to push back. They're, they're speaking their right. They're standing up for what they believe in. And of course, he frames it as Glenn lost his mind because he caught, they caught them engaging in more than free speech. No, it's in quite frankly, actual free speech. You know, pardon me for assuming you'd even know what that is. But here is, this is Boston Globe. MIT administrators warn pro-Palestinian student protesters of possible suspension. And counter protesters, but the article itself, it's predominantly saying if you're protesting for Palestine, you're the one, you're the reason this is happening. You know, we give the pass to the ones that are on the stance that we like because they're simply trying to stop you, bad terror supporters. The point is pro Palestinian. So they're warning them you're not allowed to do this. These are camps, college campuses. Not to say that it hasn't already gone downhill years ago, but the pretending idea that we're supposed to be challenging ideas. No, these are indoctrination centers. Here is Democracy Now! Students at Brown, MIT, and Columbia, and others apparently, risk arrest. Why? For protesting the war on Gaza. That's what, this is what's happening. You can read all these for yourself. Now here, Rhett Seth Levy puts something out, and this is where I begin to wonder where all this is coming from. Because this all stems back to his tweet right here. He says, this is the reality that MIT president wants to hide. So clearly suggesting, which is, I, I look, I, I'm not finding this anywhere. You won't find this anywhere. A letter from Israeli and Jewish MIT students that he then just types out. Okay. I'm not suggesting that he's lying. I don't know. Like This guy still is doing great work on COVID. But my point is, first of all, where's the, I don't know this letter exists. Secondly, if it does, it is simply a letter from Jewish and Israeli students who have every possibility of lying as any other student does right i mean we literally just did a segment again not suggesting that it's not happening everywhere or might do the point is that we have proof that there's been examples throughout the years and recently of jewish students painting swastikas on people's rooms or painting you know something about decapitating babies on the on the concrete which then spins out and people accuse the protest of writing things about dead babies turns out it was a jewish student in both cases Again, I'm not suggesting that means others don't happen just the way it looks. There's hatred, guys. People hate people out there. But if we can't recognize that there is at least a clear effort of people in this position to do those things in order to create the vision and perspective that they're trying to create, it's like Jesse Smollett. If we can't recognize that stuff happens and at least consider that possibility, then you're lying to yourself. So my point is, we've already seen this happen. So one, they could just make this up. That's obviously possible. But two, they could just actually feel threatened because of all the propaganda. They see them protesting and they see Nazi flags in their minds and they feel like they're being threatened. They run upside and they're actually terrified. And whose fault is that? The people protesting for a free Palestine and just want a ceasefire and have no hatred of their hearts for those people or the governments that are making them think everyone's out to kill them.
to the point where they might act out in violence. I'm not saying that's everything. What I'm saying is that is happening to some degree. Now it says to all students at MIT today, and this is supposed to be this letter. Today, Jewish and Israeli MIT students were physically prevented from attending class. I have yet to see any evidence of that. Quite frankly, I just don't think it actually happened. Or unless this is some kind of contortion of the truth where they were just simply protesting in an area they had to go around or something like this. But it says by a hostile group of pro-Hamas. So right there, guys, there was not a pro-Hamas. These were pro-Palestinian protesters. Because I this is what this is exact. That's why I showed you these first. That's what this is. You have evidence, video, pictures of what they were doing. Not a single video you'd be surprised to find of, of blocking people or threatening. You really believe that in this day and age, there wouldn't be 45 cameras on what was happening? But a hostile pro-Hamas and anti-Israel MIT students that call themselves the CAA. Now, I'm going to hold off on even telling you what that is because it's very telling to me that neither Retsef or the letter actually wrote out what their name is. I'll let you think about it as we go forward. This is after students from the CAA harness, harass, excuse me, MIT staff members in their offices for being Jewish. I Guys, these are, some of these people are Jewish protesters. I don't believe that for a second. And interrupted classes in the past few weeks. All of this has occurred with no clear response from the administration, which I find hard to believe if they were publicly attacking Jewish uh, teachers for being Jewish. You really think they wouldn't do something about that? With each passing day, MIT admin's silence makes Jewish and Israeli students feel unsafe. And this sounds like just the kind of thing that the Israeli Zionist government would execute to make this kind of narrative happen, to spin this out of control and get some kind of woke cancel culture mindset going. Let's not forget, and I'll play it at the end, of the evidence historically of Zionists doing things just like this. My Jewish students, it goes on to say, fear leaving their dorm rooms. And I keep hearing this and, sta- and stated they don't, they feel MIT is not safe for Jews. And plenty of corporate news outlets have stated exactly this. Doesn't it matter that we don't have any real evidence of this kind of stuff happening? I'm not saying it's not possible or didn't. But as an objective journalist, shouldn't you care that we don't have evidence of this? This message is compounded by the public and private warnings of Halil and many faculty that Jewish students should not enter MIT's main lobby today. Now, that is a part of the story that is interesting. Now, you have protesters, pro-Palestinian protesters, who had already had examples of them clashing, right, with people that are out there calling them terrorists. And all and people get angry at each other, and then you get in fights, and that has happened. Well, what's interesting is the, then you have the actual administration saying, don't go in there. Now, you could frame this as them just trying to stop clashes from happening, or you could frame it as them perceiving themselves that somehow Jewish people are at threat from that. But my point is still the same. You have a pro-Palestinian protest that includes Jewish voices for peace. Then we're somehow going to pretend that they're seeking out Jewish people or threatening Jewish people. I only... This seems to me like a fact, a difference of political ideologies that it came to clash like in any other circumstance, whether it's Antifa and this person or Black Lives Matter and this group, whatever. And just like them, they always frame it the way they want you to see it. It's the right-wing fascist versus the anti-fascist, which is the fascist group that literally calls themselves anti-fascist or Black Lives Matter. They claim it's all about racism. And really, most of these things were much more complicated than that. But it says, instead of dispersing the mob or de-escalating the situation by rerouting all students from Lobby 7, Jewish students specifically were warned not to enter. Or you could see this as 
one of the groups on either side of this current clash was told not to go through where they're protesting. Right? In this case, it just happens to be Jewish students. Just throwing out a possibility. It's all about the framing. And who's writing this? The very students who are telling you they feel threatened. The one, the onus to protect Jewish students. And see, that's my point, though. Shouldn't it be the onus to protect students? Should be on the students themselves. There should not be, they say. It's it's very telling the way this is very pointedly framed. MIT administration recently announced guidelines to avoid illegal and unsafe protests on campus. The CAA, which planned to protest, knowingly and proudly violated these requirements. So all we're really talking about is some arbitrary school rule, which, in my mind, undermines free speech. To frame that as some kind of criminal act that justifies or suggests that they're attacking people is childish and dishonest. And even invited people from outside MIT to join them. Their actions inhibit the possibility of safe and peaceful dialogue. How exactly? And endanger Jewish students. So that shows you that all they're really saying is because it's a pro-Palestinian protest. Right? So what you did was protest when the campus didn't want you to and invite other people to join the protest. Explain for me how that inhibits the possibility of safe and peaceful dialogue. This seems like a fake. The CAA hosted a blockade. Again, that's my point. No evidence of this. And I'm not, show me. I asked people all over the internet today, give me an example of this. I'll talk about it today. Because that would be, wouldn't be okay with me. A blockade, they frame it as, that not only disregards MIT guidelines, but also obstructs Jewish students from attending class. And you know why? Especially since I believe this is not real and was stemming from some kind of manipulation, maybe intelligence. You know why I think they chose the word blockade? Come on, it's very easy to see. It completely undermines and downplays the current siege or blockade, both have been used, on Gaza. Or the current ongoing one against Yemen, or the one that continues on Syria. You know, the things that they're all doing, but now they want to make it about this one. So maybe you go and search for that, and this pops up instead. I mean, there's, there's game, this, these are played. But it says some Jewish students who saw the administration's failure to respond to the targeted harassment of Jews, I, I don't think that happened, on campus by this group came together to support each other and peacefully together stand against the threat to their safety. For hours after the blockade started at 12 p.m., the MIT administration passed a letter to all students, threatening the suspension if the crowds did not disperse. Now, see, this to me begins to just sound like a large protest that just happened to be in the way of what these people wanted to get through. Not that they were inherently blocking them. I'm just speaking off the top here because I haven't seen evidence of any of this. Only the Jewish students left immediately. The CAA protesters did not cooperate. Well, it's the same difference. They're protesting from the beginning and where they knowing that they weren't technically supposed to protest. So why would the same school going move make the move when they didn't listen in the first place? Very constructed, isn't it? They, they did not cooperate. Indeed, it says they, they provided or proceeded to invite more students. So they continue to do the same thing they were already doing. In call, and it says protesters to join them in calling for a violent uprising, which, by the way, is not what intifada means. Not exactly. We've already went over this, by the way, and it's many of these terms, a rebellion or uprising, a resistance movement. So it doesn't have to mean violence, by the way. I've already gone over this. It can. It can definitely mean a rebellion, like the founding fathers rebelling against Britain. That's, that would be an intifada, just a different word for it. Or it could be a resistance movement, right? Like peacefully protesting in front of the fence and being shot. So my point is, when they're calling for intifada, and what they want is to free Palestine, it doesn't have to inherently mean violence. But to them, it will no matter what, because they're framing this as violence. 
and justifying the terror attacks of Hamas. Look, I don't see anybody in these groups doing that. I just don't. So what I see is them saying that's what pro-Palestine means and we're going to write that out as if it actually happened. I'd love to be proved wrong. Somebody show me this because I'd love to get this correct. I tried all day. At 5 p.m., all students on campus were warned that MIT's emergency notification system officially recognized the danger present to students. That's how they framed that. And it just really was them telling them to leave. Again, for the third time. No Jewish or Israeli students were present at this point. I don't know why that's even relevant, even though we can prove that they were, by the way. So what they're saying is no Jewish students with our group that thought this was a problem, but we can show you that there were Jewish voices for peace that were there. But I guess the whole point is that to them, they're not Jewish. See, same point. As of 10.30 tonight, they, uh, again, just wrapping it up quickly, they officially decided not to academically suspend the group. Yeah, which to me see, clearly suggested it was not the way you framed it. We are seeing history repeating itself, on, and Jews in MIT's campus are afraid, signed the MIT-Israel Alliance and its supporters. Oh, big surprise. So it's literally the Israeli alliance on this college who's trying to call out all these people protesting for peace as aggressive, terror-supporting, Jew-hunting people. Paint me surprised. Well, as I said in response, oh, you mean the Coalition Against Apartheid? That's what they're called. Interestingly telling, you chose not to write their name because then it opens the at least thought that what they're doing is acting against apartheid. Very important that they did not put that in. This is another in a long line of peaceful pro-Palestinian protests being labeled as anti-Jewish in order to create this exact outrage and perceived threat that only builds upon itself. Now, oh, did I have the, I already had it right there. I forget if I had this lined up. I'm going to kind of rush through this then. But my point is, here is the New York Post. Jewish students at MIT blocked from attending classes by, quote, hostile anti-Israel protesters. Okay, so that came up first. I was like, okay, it looks like it, like it might have happened. Let's find out. Because I wanted to, if it happened, I wanted to show this. At the very least, to show you that this is not the way to protest. If you're host in a hostile way, or at the very least, blocking people from moving, which is the same reason I hate the ridiculous street protests where they stop cars and for the climate thing. It's just dumb. You're not, those people have nothing to do with what you're trying to do. The point is, I would have called this out the same way. But what did I find out? That the link they show you to this open letter penned by the MIT Israel Alliance, what's it go to? Oh, it goes to Retsef Levy's tweet which has no source material, no link to anything actual real. So again, for all we know, this is something that Retsef believes is true or was told is true and is not. Or at the very least, on top of that, it's just a letter from the Israel Alliance at MIT. So are we going to pretend they're not capable of lying for their truth? But you can read this entirely. It's all that I just read for you. There's no other source material. There is nothing other than these same things. Like this example of the statement is simply the same thing you heard. The, the statement uh, that those students who remain in the lobby after they were told to leave will be disciplined. That's what, that's all that happened. And they are now not doing anything other than that. So to me, this screams a fabricated event like so many we've seen of people who are literally protesting for ceasefire that drives Zionists crazy to the point to where they will fabricate a Jew-hating hunt, which is what they're doing with this now. Now, uh, that, in the interest of time, because we're already at past three, which I guess three is my number these days. but. This is from 2022. 
from MIT faculty, and it simply says, Palestine, MIT, and free speech, a letter from student activists. It's literally from the coalition for a coalition against apartheid. It's this group they're talking about. Okay. Read this. And it's very clear what they're this. They are not even remotely what they're being framed as. And it's not just from this one letter. You can look this up, look at their past efforts. This is very clearly about activism for Palestine for the, in the interest of peace. It's very clear. And here, oh, again, I was going to read some of these comments, you know, and this person just saying, should any student body be allowed to prevent another? And it's a fair question. My, and my point is, I don't even know what happened yet. So I'm not trying to, to, to litigate this on Twitter. But my point was, ultimately, I know what his post alleges and the MIT student's letter said. First, have you seen this letter? And second, how do we know the letter is true? Are we to believe there's no filming of this terrifying blockade we keep hearing about? If so, show me. I'll call it out. And he says, I'm not saying I can attest to the letter seated. The bottom line was, I said, if you're referring to this event, please post the video so I can verify it. To which he says, I wasn't. But I have seen more in the past recent weeks. Okay. My point is, no one seems to have any evidence this actually happened. Anywhere. I really tried today. I wanted to make a point about this. Nobody. Yet, we sure as hell get attacked for pointing out that obvious reality. This person says, millions of Arabs and Muslims live peacefully as full citizens in Israel. Same thing that, that uh, Karen Julia was screeching about. That's not an apartheid. I just can't. I just can't. Oh, you can't learn the facts, apparently. But it says, they have more rights than there would anywhere else in the Middle East. This is what people actually think. There is no apartheid. It's a depraved lie to justify the murder of Jews. That's the best you got in this circumstance. It's turn it to racism and say it's about attacking Jews. I say, the Israeli government broke the law. And you say, you're a Jew-hating racist. It It just doesn't work anymore. It never really did, I think. But ultimately, people were afraid. My point is, there are racists. There are people that hate Jews. It's just, I'm not one of them. And neither are these groups. There are people fighting for peace. And all you can do is label them racist, and it's losing the power that you once held over that. Just like this whole entire conversation has woken people up to what Zionists truly are. Not Jews, not Judaism in general, but the Zionist manipulation of it. Is I, I simply, I just posted this tweet, actually, which talks about apartheid deniers, and it's just it's crazy. But lastly, one of the people that I don't think Retsef realizes in support of this kind of what he's, you know, the topics he's covering on this. I simply said again, you mean the coalition against apartheid? You know, it's pretty interesting that you framed it that way. And this person said, you're not American. So that's something that takes a bit more than a U.S. passport, little Habibi. <laughs> it's just crazy, man. Habibi meaning, which is funny, actually means, I think, the loved one. But it's, it's an Arab word. It's an Arabic word. And it's meant to imply that I'm not an American, right? That I just have a passport. So what? I'm an Arabic person, apparently. And it just, it just shows you the, the disgusting racism. I said, you people are just disgusting. Your unbridled racism and open bigotry is changing minds and opening eyes every moment to what Zionism truly is. So please keep revealing what you are. And I was born in California, you infant. <laughs> it's just, it's mind blowing. I hope you can see the kind of people that are leaning into this stuff. And here's the most important one. Same point I said about the coalition against apartheid. This person said, and my point was the last sentence I said there was, it's another long line of peaceful protest, in my opinion, being labeled as anti-Jewish in order to create the exact outrage and perceived threat, right? 
I don't think he even understood the, the way that was fitting the sentence because the perceived threat, I think, is what he's operating off of there. And he says, I agree, even though that would mean he, he doesn't have to make logical sense because these people are dumb. My point is, he, I guess, him thought I was implying the perceived threat as in the perceived threat was toward the pro-Palestinian people. I shouldn't even need to explain that. It's just, the point was, he, these people are dumb. But anyway, the point was, he says after that, I agree. I think it's getting near time we start reading the obituaries of some of these racist, pedophile, cuss word, Hamas sympathizers. I stand with Israel. So here is an Israel supporter, a Zionist supporter, openly calling for the death of people fighting for Palestine. I, you sh- I would love to see an example of Palestinian supporters calling for the death of Israelis. I know they exist. I just tell you, frankly, I don't see it right now. Everywhere you look, you're getting the act, the conflation of anything Palestinian with anything terrorist. And that every one of them are animals, shouldn't be left alive. And I am just not seeing that on the other side of the conversation. Now, people can pull up videos of old things. and They, they exist. I'm not claiming hatred's not out there. You show me where this is coming up the same way it is on this side of the conversation in current dialogue, and I'll talk about it. It's pretty obvious to me that this is very just the overflowing hatred coming out in real time again like i said showing you what these people really are the zionist agenda i mean this is on this is on twitter they don't care about that apparently openly calling for the death of people supporting palestine i guess that's the acceptable hatred today here is another crackdown on another one of these protests just simply protesting israel's bombing of gaza As students and other activists were leaving a peaceful protest, the police chased them down, violently tackled them to arrest them. What he's saying, if you can't hear, this is what they're doing to me as a Palestinian student. It's pro-Palestine has been illegalized in many of these locations. And in, in this case, this person was literally sitting there peacefully protesting. And these people, and this says, students and activists were peacefully protesting in support of Palestinians and against the de-recognition of, of the Brandy's SJP charter. And it says, say, uh, Muslims for, for uh, Justice account, which is a Muslim Justice League, say seven people, including students and a legal observer, were arrested. This is, all this is being weaponized. Lord Bebo points out, a school in, in Orange County, California, suspends a 13-year-old child for three days for saying free Palestine in response to a classmate who called him a terrorist. It's just like with the COVID-19 thing. See, my, my opinion, most of these mainstream teachers are more uninformed than just about anybody else. They're just straight-up propaganda line towers. So, you know, right now, just like with the COVID conversation, you say free Palestine, arrested, you know, you know suspended just like anything else we've seen or the trans conversation, right? You can't say, you know, it's every one of these conversations. It gets so what's the right word for it. Hyperbolic. Nothing means anything. Everything means nothing. It's just whatever the narrative is. How in the world is free Palestine after you're called a terrorist? And how do you end up getting suspended for that? Well, because people are being overwhelmingly propagandized right now. We can always see it because you get actions like this. And then Mario Narfall, Nafall says a customer at a California store is furious to see an employee with a Palestinian flag. What I love is how this, and this, here's the lessons he takes from this video. 
The beheaded babies debate continues to be one of the most divisive aspects of this war. See, these people are not journalists, guys. No bias, no echo chambers. These guys, these are just mainstream media light. How can we even pretend this conversation has not already been thoroughly? De even the IDF came out and said they're not going to talk about it, that they won't even investigate because that'll somehow be insulting. Even though they already walked it back, every media outlet walked it back. CNN even apologized twice. And per Haret's own data, the youngest is four years old. But we're going to talk, we're going to still pretend like we're debating this. These people are manipulating you. And this person, one million followers. He says, then, what Hamas did on October 7th is one of the worst things to happen to both Israelis and Palestinians. I, I don't even know how you can say that. You mean aside from the 75 years of brutal occupation, theft, rape, murder, mass genocide, you realize 750,000 Palestinians were displaced when this first happened. Thousands of deaths. But we're going to pretend like just that day was worse than anything ever? Why? Because somebody told him that. If their goal was to advance the Palestinian cause, they failed miserably. They really didn't, bud. You just shockingly don't understand the story. Now, had the fact of the ongoing genocide is no one's fault but Israel's disdain for everybody Palestinian. To continue to say that they knew what would happen, all that does is expose that you guys know what kind of genocidal entity Israel's government truly is. What they did right now, what, and truly, despite the genocide, they've never had this much influence and awareness of their cause. So quite frankly, you're diametrically up opposite of the reality. But then he says, war begets pain, pain begets anger, blah, 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 blah. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean at the end. I've always said, uh, violence begets violence. The point is that, you know, if we continue in the act of violence, it will only grow more violence. But I quite frankly don't believe even what you're saying. That doesn't even line up with what you said before. But anyway, his propaganda aside, let's watch the actual video. And then we can also realize it's ridiculous. He would even act like this is some kind of middle of the road conversation. What you're about to see is a belligerent person in an Apple store losing his mind because this girl has a, 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 a little banner on her flag, on her, on her leg that says Palestine. That's it. Palestine. My point that they apparently can't discern the difference between terrorism and Palestine or they don't care. Okay, Appelstorf, Erwin, and you have a terrorist over here that's supporting well, fucking Palestine. Right here. Okay, you enjoy? Hi. Yes, where is the manager, please? I, I'm wearing managers. Oh, so why she's wearing this flag? What was that? Why she's wearing the, this flag? Yeah. So you know what is advising? Just fighting beheading babies. Beheading babies. You see my point? Because apparently it's in our fall, it's a debate that's ongoing. Palestine. He didn't. It's not Hamas. Nobody anywhere is claiming Palestinians at, at large beheaded babies. Quite frankly, the lie has already been debunked. But my point is these people are so ignorant and so full of hate that they're calling anything Palestinian terrorist because that's what they've always been saying. Remember, in the very beginning, there was, there's no Palestine. They're all terrorists, right, Laura Loomer? So now they're just reverted back to that same ignorant statement. And plenty of belligerent people are allowed it to continue. You know what they did? You know what they did? These guys? We just ask you to go ahead and why? Call security. Why? We don't need you to go ahead and harass. But me. why? I'm not harassing nobody. Yeah, yeah. So no, I'm not. Why? See, and that's the point. Yeah, you really are, man. You're the only one causing a problem. You say that. Why you say that? Yes. So how can we help you outside? Yeah. This is my ID. Are you picking okay. up something today? I'm pick up. 
and this is my credit card. And I'm asking you very gently, why did you let her wear this flag? Yeah, look at Is she supporting Hamas? No, no. She's not support Hamas. So why is she putting this flag? Because Hamas control this place. No, they don't, and that's dumb, right? He, I mean, this is this is a guy watching CNN, Fox News, or working for Israel. Because that's just stupid. No, no, I want to no, say, I want to like, see why. Looks like we're because these guys yeah. fucking behated our babies. Okay. Nope. So we can go huh? and ask you to leave. It's never happened. And you see, my point is, this is the kind of belligerent action that borderline leads to violence because of lies, if he actually believes this. And yet then he's the one that goes out and says, I felt threatened by her flag. You see how that works? So you fucking moron. Right. Yeah. All right. If you say this has never happened, huh? Why you say it's never happened? Did you see it? It's my family. No, it's not. You piece of shit. So we can go ahead and- That's hatred, guys. That's hatred. That's the kind of thing that later goes out and screams about how they were unaccepting, how they were terrorists, and they hated you. The only person exposed, expressing hate right there is him. But I promise you, he told everyone he knows how much they hated him because of all the hate they were expressing with Palestinian flags. That's how this works. And he may believe that, quite frankly. But here's an important point to understand. This is from Crown Heights Info. Israel on Campus Coalition. Interestingly, an acronym is ICC. I don't think that's an accident. Offer, but point being a lot of these times they use these things to kind of cloud. You look for Israel ICC and what pops up is not the International Criminal Court. Instead, you get Israel Campus Coalition. See how that works? But it offers $250 a person. Of course, it's a, a grant for college students if they attend a pro-Israel rally. Look at that. You know what they'd call this if it was happening the other way around? Terrorism supporter. That's how this works. Israel on Campus Coalition is offering $250 to any college student that will come attend their rally on the 14th of November in Washington, D.C. They're literally paying people to support their agenda because I think they very clearly see that the vast majority of people do not. That's crazy to me. And yet we're over here criticizing people that are actually just protesting for peace. And they're paying people to come out in, in support of suppressing people's rights of genocide. Because that's what's happening right now. I'm not saying all, only every Israeli. I'm saying the Israeli government is openly, under every metric that ever made any sense, committing genocide. And they're paying people to come out and support them. And here is a Israeli Zionist protester in the United States expressing his opinion. We'll take your heads. Because we are white and you are murderers. Now, I'm not ignorant enough to go on some rampage about how this is what every Israeli thinks. And this is what everybody, every Jew has this opinion. Because that would be pretty stupid, wouldn't it, guys? But that's exactly what everyone else is doing. Here's one Palestinian saying this one thing. Here's how they all hate you. They should be embarrassed. But they're sure trying, guys. It's desperate. Now, what I will tell you is there are plenty of people that have this kind of hate, whether it's against Israelis or Jews or Christians or or Muslims. People like this exist. 
It's not unique to one side or the other. My point is, though, there is a lot of Zionists who very clearly have unbridled hatred for anybody Palestinian. It's very clear. It's they're stating it publicly, which is why all these international lawyers are saying we've got them nailed to the wall. The, the intent is usually the hardest part to prove in a genocide. They're publicly expressing their intent. Israeli government officials, we're going to wipe them off the map, calling them Amalek, saying we're going to turn into a parking lot. I mean, they're it's proven. My point in this is to show you that this does definitely exist, and they're expelling, just vomiting this hatred toward anybody that will listen. So if you only hear this on one side of the conversation, and it turns out that those people you're looking at are screaming ceasefire, and you've got this happening on the other side, at least ask yourself where the real story may lie. Here, for a few more points to finish in Israel, Dan Cohen points out, here's a high school Israeli teacher who was assaulted and arrested by police. Why? Because he posted something on Facebook just showing sympathy for Palestinians. This is what happened. Oh, I think I just showed it here. Oh, you're filming, are you? Only, only democracy in the Middle East. And this is the most benign example I'm going to show you. You're not, you're not, and this is not a secret, guys. They, pa they, they passed all, I just showed you. Efret Fangenson made this clear. They rolled out all these art, these draconian laws under the guise of this whole war emergency, many of which were things they were trying to ram through anyway. Everyone's, pretty much everyone in Israel is furious about this. I mean, the majority is what I mean. That's very clear. Mohammed uh, Shihada points out, Israel's arrested over 100 Israelis for posting sympathetic posts to Palestine. Only democracy, right? Arrested for intention to commit treason for Facebook posts, humanizing Palestinians, writing, bombed, executed by our excellent guys. Is that not what happened? So you're supposed to say bombed, executed, but they were aiming for Hamas, though. Like, this is crazy. These are people that are simply expressing their opinion and they're being arrested in Israel. Well, remember, don't forget, we've got members of the Knesset that have resigned, or was it the Likud party specifically? I forget. But people in the Israeli government that have resigned because of what they're doing. People in the State Department that have resigned because of what they're doing and allowing to happen. People, UN, UN, I mean, the examples are endless. But these are the people that we're supposed to believe are fighting for the better world and democracy and free speech. And they're attacking their own people because they dare to point out what they're actually doing. Jews or otherwise, mind you. Here is a Palestinian woman arrested on terrorism charges for uploading a status that simply showed solidarity with Gaza. Same point. And that they're reading, they're looking at it right there. Only democracy in the Middle East, right? So you're just simply not allowed. And again, guys, if you this, we already went over this. This is in they, these are publicly stated. And again, I mean, what was it? Uh, ben Gaviri, I've literally said and actually called for the ability to shoot Israeli Jews or Israelis in general should they protest pro Palestine in the street. And they literally passed that law. I just went over it. 
So let's pretend like this is about Jews versus everyone else. Well, they're literally willing to shoot Jews if they simply say the wrong thing. This is about Zionism versus everybody else. Here's Lord Bobo pointing out the IDF running over a body. Notice how it adjusted the tracks so it wouldn't miss it. It's deliberate. Posting it for public means. They, they, this is a publicly posted video from Israeli entities. They're running over a dead Palestinian body. It's just constant. These are all crimes. Cuts Network reports, and this has been roundly reported, Rabbi Mir Moraz to Israel, he was speaking to Israel's Channel 7. Quote, if they, the people of Gaza, were humans, we would have sent them humanitarian aid. But this is about animals. It's not, this is the intent we're speaking to. Yet they'll try to tell you when, when the U.S. audience is watching that we're trying to get them out of the way, as, as they literally say this is every turn. Now here is Letsef Gevi, or excuse me, Gideon Levy, who has, for a long time now, writing for Haaretz, who's been talking about the reality on the ground. So let's see where we're at. Ah, It's a little bit long. Damn it. I'll play a little bit of this, then I'll wrap with this last video. The Israeli society had surrounded itself with shields, with walls, not only physical walls, but also mental walls. I don't want to get into it because it's another lecture, but I'll just give the three principles which enable us Israelis to live so easily with this brutal reality. A, most of the Israelis, if not all of them, deeply believe that we are the chosen people. And if we are the chosen people, we have the right to do whatever we want. B. That applies to the world around, guys. There were more brutal occupations in history. There were even longer occupations in history, even though the Israeli occupation gets to quite a nice record. But there was never in history an occupation in which the occupier presented himself as the victim. Mm-hmm. Not only the victim, the only victim around. This also enabled any Israeli to live in peace because we are the victims. The other day, Professor Falk spoke about this dual strategy of Israel of being a victim on one hand and manipulating the other, on the other hand after what happened in Paris and in Copenhagen with the terror attacks. Benjamin Netanyahu came with the notion all the Jews must come to Israel. It's the safest place for the Jews in the world. It's a shelter for the Jews in the world. Which is wrong because Israel is today the most dangerous place on earth for Jews. But Let's put it aside. It was only 24 hours later when he said Israel is an existential threat under the Iranian bomb. And I asked myself, how can you dare call Jews to come and to join this suicidal project when the Iranians are going to bomb us? Which, by the way, his point is not that they're going to, but that he said that. And interestingly enough, What it does show you is that just like we keep telling you, it's the Zionist manipulation of using the Jews in order to achieve their ends. And one of the ways you do that is making them think they're under threat so they continue to support your agenda. Now, I'm going to let you finish this. It's a great clip. Now, he's a Jewish man. He's an Israeli man. He is literally a writer for Haaretz. And he's he's been very critical for a long time. Lastly, to finish, a great clip from Claire Daly calling this out as we all should be guys 
you know, there's just so much to go over. It's so obvious what's happening. Get, I just, I just want people to stand back and recognize just like with the COVID conversation that I really believe that you're on the side. If, if you're simply willing to engage and acknowledge what's actually happening, you're on the side of the majority. There's enough people around the world. And I, the point I keep making that it's, it's obvious to me that the average person, the majority, the middle, the middle body of people, they're the ones that are standing back kind of going like, well, I'm not sure. I don't know the history here. And they look and they see Netanyahu screaming that it's only about them. They're all attacking the Jews. And you've got the U.S. government, the Western governments all saying the same thing. And they stand back and go, okay, where historically have we looked to? What's the U.N. saying? What's Amnesty saying? What's Human Rights Watch saying? And they look and it's a endless string, 25, 30 different human rights groups, international groups, genocide. What do you think that person does? Even that person doesn't blindly, in most cases, trust all governments. So they're going, hold on a minute. There's something wrong here. And I think that most everybody sees it. Even they're beginning to say that. But they're framing it as the Muslim propaganda campaign has won and we need to fight back. The point is they're very aware that most people see them for what they are right now. And they're desperate to try to revamp that. So I'm worried about some larger thing happening. But I think right now we just need to continue to let everybody else know. Don't be afraid to let your statement, let your stance be known that you support any civilian on any side that's being attacked. And at the moment, it's very clearly one side that is being continually genocided in front of our eyes. Stand up for that. Find the courage to fight for those people or anybody out there who is being suppressed, occupied, who's they're not allowed to live in peace. And people framing them as the, the ones fighting for that peace while they take it from them, which, you know, I can't, the U.S. government foreign policy is just this stark example of nonstop actions like that. And of course, they're supporting what's going on here. But just find the courage to stand up for people who need it. Find the courage to support people who need it and, and not be a cowed and swayed by arguments of racism and arguments of, you know, conspiracy theory and all these flimsy allegations they throw at anybody who says what they don't want them to say. As always, it doesn't mean that there's not people that lie about things or make false theories or hate people based on their race. But I'll tell you what, the people that do that more than anybody are the very people that are pointing at us right now and always have. Thank you for tuning in today and continuing to fight for people that don't have a voice. If you'd like to support this platform, there's plenty of ways to do so down below all the show notes and links for our autonomy program and for our Substack, for our Stripe program. We've been doing it. We've been getting a lot of good support there. So what I've been saying in general is that if you want to support what we're doing, you can go to our Stripe donation portal on the website, thelastamericanvagabond.com. Sign up for $1 a month on recurring. Goes a lot longer than you think. But I, I recently noticed you could do like a yearly thing or a quarterly thing. I didn't know that, which is pretty cool. So you can sign up for $100 a year, whatever you want to do. The point is that we need your support to keep growing because this fight seems to be only increasing. And it's not just about this one location, as you guys well know. I'd love to get to a place to where we're no longer constantly on the precipice of absolute destruction. And the only way we're going to do that is by continuing to inform people. And it doesn't have to only mean the last American vagabond. Go find the people out there that you believe are actually fighting for you. I'd like to believe you think that's us, but if not, go support them. Go support somebody who you believe is trying to expose the truth and do that. Do so objectively at all costs. Thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.